is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to a Friday playoff edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you all with us here. Lots to get to today coming out of a, a game two loss for the Winnipeg Jets, but the team coming back with the split and getting ready to drop it tomorrow afternoon with the Vegas Golden Knights in front of the whiteout at Canada Life Center. Lots to get to coming out of last night's game and looking ahead to tomorrow. Brandon Rowicki is going to jump on with us from Skates and Plates, and we'll also have Scott Billick's weekly pop by from the Winnipeg Sun with their thoughts on the series so far. Last night's game, and most importantly, tomorrow afternoon's game as the Jets look to uh, make the most of their opportunities on home ice and take a 2-1 lead in the series. Um, should be great. We will hear from Rick Bonus as well as Adam Lowry and Mark Shifley from the post-game last night over the course of the hour. We'll also take a look at the rest of the action around the National Hockey League yesterday and tonight. And, of course, drop some marbles before we finish up later on in a couple hours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to have you all with us. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. If you're new around here, we're live every day, Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central, with the latest on the Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg sports scene, and everything else happening around the world of sports. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, Obviously, welcome to everyone with us live on the YouTube chat. Got to give a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Modern Man Barbershops, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply. Great to see the Consolidated Gang yesterday out at their open house. Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Michael Remus, get in here. What's going on? Yeah, I'm trying to recover from, uh, you know, these late nights here with these West Coast starts. You know, I'm thankful we're going to have an afternoon game on Saturday. It'll be quite a shock for Vegas coming from their weather to this April 21 weather. Yeah, to a, a real whiteout. I mean, kind of. So, but I don't know. It's kind of, you know, you've, I said the game last night was kind of like the Jets season in two parts. You got off to the hot start and then, you know, kind of fizzle out in the second half. But you're, in the end, you are where you thought you were going to be with a split or where you should be. However, the path you got there, like the path they took to eighth place, not, you know, a bit disappointed by that. But coming home, I think you have to feel good. However, you know, they looked so great in the first period, but uh, Vegas... Their big boys came into play there in the third and um, got kind of sick of seeing uh, Mark Stone's parents on the screen over and over again and <laughs> him celebrating like a madman. Sorry, I don't know if they listen uh, to the show. He's obviously from Winnipeg, but uh, when they keep showing his parents over and over, you know it's not good uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, all the jokes write themselves. The Jets got stoned on 420 yesterday. Um, Mark Stone had a huge, huge game and... I'll say this, and you mentioned the first period. I was, I mean, I couldn't believe how great the Jets looked in the first. And I shouldn't say that I couldn't believe it because we saw pretty much 60 minutes of that for the most part on Tuesday night. But I honestly thought they might have looked even better in the first period than they did on Tuesday night. And I think any Jet fan was probably texting their buddies going, this team is incredible. Like, this is uh, this is amazing. 
I think it's important to realize that the Winnipeg Jets are going up against the Vegas Golden Knights, who are first place in the Western Conference, and you knew that there was going to be a big pushback. And and to handle that pushback, the Winnipeg Jets were going to have to be their best. And unfortunately, they weren't in the second and third periods. And we'll hear more from Rick Bonus on all of that. Um, but for as great as the Jets were, and as great as the Jets' top players really sort of handled the Vegas Golden Knights' top players in game number one and came out to an incredible start, Vegas was still very much in that game, only down one nothing after the first period, and I think you knew a big pushback was coming, and that's exactly what Vegas delivered. Um, but as we'll hear from Rick Bonus, this was uh, somewhat on the Jets too. Um, you know, some puck management issues that you know they really hadn't been problematic over the course of the previous four periods, reared their ugly heads, a couple long shifts, um, and a couple defensive breakdowns that ended up turning into goals in behind Connor Hellebuck, who I thought was very good last night. I mean, it's pretty tough to fault him on uh, really any of the goals that went in. But it was Jack Eichel, but particularly Mark Stone, the heart and soul of that team, stepping up and putting the team on his back at times and, uh, and getting the win. Um, you know, big picture, anyone that's a Jet fan, I'm sure, would have said, coming back 1-1 after the first two games, no problem. We'll take it. But, you know, it's it's all about what, last happened and I think you know the Winnipeg Jets are going to be feeling like they need to be much better and at the same time I think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be feeling like they've found themselves and their game and man that's going to set up a hell of a matchup tomorrow afternoon in front of the whiteout yeah you know I have a clip from Bruce Cassidy we can play later but it sounded like after the first intermission they had some serious conversations in the locker room and say hey do we want to go to Winnipeg down 2-0 or do we want to come out and take this game and you know, they won, you know, they got into the corners, came out with the loose pucks, got to the net ahead of the Jets. It seemed like they did want it more. And, you know, all the Jets are, you know, struggling to complete passes um, and can't break out of their own end there in the third period. Um, it was a tough one. You know, the first period was was fantastic. I mean, it picked up where they left off. You have to wonder, like, what, what could have been if they would have scored uh, second goal. I don't know. Kyle Connor like, could have had the highlight reel goal of the playoffs, <laughs> absolutely dangling. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, um, you know, completely dancing, but couldn't beat Brossois. And Brossois was absolutely solid there in the first. And the Jets did have many chances there in the uh, in the first, and they couldn't score. And Brossois was solid. And you know, Vegas kind of found their game midway through, and then the ice tilted in their favor. Uh, it was definitely uh, definitely tough, but. I think the Jets, you know, being tied 1-1, they're certainly in a good spot. But, you know, there's definitely some missed opportunity there. And I think they'll be able to clean up some of those mistakes, especially, you know, Rick Bonus saying, you know, changing up some of the defensive periods. Like, we couldn't we couldn't complete a pass. It was simple as that. And they talked a lot about um, lack of execution, and that's what it was in the third period. Yeah, you know, I mean, you mentioned not a being able to get that second goal. LB deserves a lot of credit. He was, I mean, he stepped up and really held his team in the game when that could have easily been three or four nothing, especially at the same time when the Vegas Golden Knights did have the one glorious chance and Connor Hellebuck made a save for the ages that from accounts of the people in there, the entire crowd was cheering just because no one could believe that it didn't go in. Um, and I, I kind of think of it now looking back at this, uh, you know, with the fact that they lost the game, I'm afraid that that save will not be remembered um, as it should be. And it kind of reminds me of the Adam Party goal 
in the uh, in the Anaheim series, which broke a zero zero tie and would have been you know a historic goal for the Jets in uh, in the playoffs. Unfortunately, they gave up a tying goal and a winning goal, and it ended up being a side note in a playoff loss. And unfortunately, that I think is what that save would be. But that was absolutely uh, jaw dropping. But the Winnipeg Jets continued to press. And Frozen Chosen has a comment in here, and I have to agree. Uh, the four-on-three power play late in the first period was ugly. Um, you know, usually you would think that, you know, a four-on-three is even more advantageous than a five-on-four. Um, but it was pretty passive. They passed it around. It was obviously teeing it up for Kyle Connor. Vegas played it very well, and they really, I, I thought that, and this is a, a common thread going back to when the overall power play was really struggling, when you have opportunities like that, even if you don't score on them, um, getting chances, making good shots, getting pressure on, I think maintains that momentum. I thought the Jets lost some momentum on that four-on-three power play. Being said, they were still up one nothing going into the uh, into the room, but as you mentioned, and we can play this in a little bit, uh, Bruce Cassidy and the Vegas Golden Knights, I thought, had a, a long look in the mirror and probably some pretty um, interesting things said in that dressing room in the first period because they came out far, far more committed to uh, doing the things that they needed to do to win the hockey game. And unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, they got away from some of the things that they were doing quietly, efficiently, mainly managing the puck and making proper passes and getting it out of their zone, and Vegas took advantage of it. Um, I don't think anyone should be surprised that there was a big pushback from the Vegas Golden Knights. It is unfortunate that maybe the Jets weren't able to handle it a little bit better. Um, and as we'll hear from Rick Bonus, I mean, there's a lot of things to learn from uh, from last night's game. That being said, I think if you're on that plane today coming back from Winnipeg and you're wearing a Winnipeg Jet jersey, you have to feel that, you are able to hang with these guys and, you know, maybe feeling a little bit burnt that you aren't coming back with two wins as opposed to one, but you really do have to learn from the mistakes, make sure that those don't happen again and be ready to raise your game another level or two tomorrow in front of the home crowd and what should be absolutely uh, a bananas atmosphere for that three o'clock game. Yeah. Really looking forward to seeing what the crowd is going to be like and, you know, it's funny, I was watching the uh, Toronto game and you know, Toronto loses game one at home and has this pushback and you know dominates in game two. Uh, Colorado loses game one at home, comes back in game two. So it just seems like a theme of the playoffs here. I know the Rangers seem to be one of the only team. Rangers and Carolina, the two teams that are not tied 1-1. So it's a seven-game series. You, know, you try not to get too high with the highs and low with the lows. I think that's certainly difficult and... You know, the number of people in the chat that watching today compared to after they won game one, uh, probably cut in, cut in half. But they can definitely play with this Vegan, Vegas Golden Knights team. And, um, you know, their best, you know, it's a cliche, but Vegas's best players were their best players yesterday. Jack Eichel getting Big on the time. board uh, with the tip in. Mark Stone, um, you know, get with the three points and huge, huge celebrations following uh, the fourth goal. I mean, he was crashing the boards and... The Jets players who were so good in game one, Pierre-Luc Dubois, not on the score sheet. Kyle Connor, man, he was a monster in the first period. I think he had more shots than the entire Vegas team or just as many, but they just couldn't sustain that for a full 60 minutes. And you, know, you mentioned the Adam Party 
cool. I want to throw back, you know, it's going to be the first uh, home playoff game since 2019, uh, the Kevin Hayes game. And I joked in our show notes that Kyle Connor's breakaway that he didn't score on there in the first period. Was that the Kevin Hayes moment of last night's game that we'll be wondering what could have been if they could have got that, that second goal? I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of joking around here, but I just wanted a chance to bring it up because it's the first home playoff game with fans since that game five. Yes, well, there was 500 worthy healthcare workers in the building at the uh, Montreal games. Let's not forget about that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, this is going to be the closest thing to, and I hope that this resembles 2017-18 as opposed to 2019 because, you know, that really poor start, you know, the losses at home, the wins in St. Louis, coming back and losing that game five. I mean, it, it, the one thing, and I think Scooch brought this up, the Jets' playoff record at home in the 2.0 era is not good. Um, you know, when you think about the, even the Nashville series, what happened in the Nashville series, they did most of their damage on the road. I believe they won three or four games in Nashville and only won one of their three games at home. Um, but anyways, all of that is in the rearview mirror. None of that will have any effect on tomorrow's game. What will have an effect on tomorrow's game is how the Winnipeg Jets and particularly their top players respond to what happened last night. And when we're talking about the top line, um, you know, it was a pretty interesting dichotomy between the three players. I, I thought Kyle Connor was, I mean, he was so dangerous early on in that game. I mean, you mentioned all the shots that he had. I mean, he was shooting from everywhere. And the move that he made, I mean, if that one goes in, that is a highlight real goal for the entire playoffs. We'll see it over and over again. Um, but Lorraine Brassois got the pad in front of it, and he wasn't able to get it over after that incredible move. And, I mean, that was a perfect example of a goaltender that was, you know, just keeping his team in the game to give them a chance to turn around and, and, and punch back. And that's exactly what seemed to happen in the second and the third period. Um, I thought Dubois was, was good. I mean, obviously not as effective and dominant as he was in game number one. And obviously the guy that's taking a lot of heat right now is Mark Shifley because um, he, of course, lost Chandler Stevenson on what ended up being the winning goal off a of face-off. Rick Bonus talked about that afterwards, didn't name Shifley by name, but everyone knew what he was talking about. Um, and, of course, the, the, the goal that really got Vegas back into the game, Remo, the William Carlson one, was on the end of a shift where Dubois and Shifley just were not able to get off. I believe they were out there in excess of two minutes. Kyle Connor had managed to get to the, get to the bench after 125. Dubois and Shifley weren't. And, you know, it was, um, I mean, that puck should have been cleared. I mean, there was four guys around it. But I think when you're out there for a long time, and, I mean, certainly they were gasping for air and leaning on the sticks afterwards, you don't make the play that you sort of need to make. And it was unfortunate the way that one got Vegas on the board because I thought that was a huge, huge boost to them. Um, and it was William Carlson again. But unlike game number one where the Winnipeg Jets sort of punched right back and continued carrying the game, that in a lot of ways turned it around. And Vegas did not look back. You get that tip from Jack Eichel, a couple beautiful tips. I mean, the Adam Lowry tip in the first period was textbook, and Eichel's was as well. You can't fault either goaltender on those. Um, but again, this was going to be a series. This was never going to be a, a cakewalk for the Jets, as great as they looked in the first four periods, and what a test they're going to have tomorrow to see what they can do coming back after their first loss of the postseason. Yeah, I'm just looking at the shift chart, NHL.com, Mark Shifley, uh, 157. 
ending with a goal. It says it says there, and that's never, never ideal. And you know the Vegas goals, they were all kind of similar, where they just you know outmuscled the Jets in the in the corner um, on the fifth goal. You know Demello has it, Carlson takes it. Um, you know there's what four Jets there on the Carlson goal, and what and Carlson comes out with it and has a beauty shot. I mean two games in a row, just a, a gorgeous shot at finding the top corner. Um, and then what the uh, you know they get the puck to Petrangelo from the corner you know from the from the corner and Jack Eichel he's standing there and Brandon Dillon's like loosely on him but that was I mean that's a pretty pretty nice tip can't really fault Hellebuck on that one and you know, one you know one other thing about Mark Scheifele you know he um, what lost Chandler Stevenson we all saw that there was one play there in the third it was just kind of you know symbolized how they just had such trouble breaking it out where I thought he was going to carry the puck up but you know did this kind of little drop pass in his own zone. Right in the blue line, and Vegas just kept, you know, they intercepted and kept the pressure on over and over again. And the Jets just really struggled, um, you know, completing passes. It would bounce off a skate, bounce off a stick, or something, and uh, couldn't get it out. And uh, credit to Vegas for uh, for bringing the heat there in the third after it looked like the Jets had control. And we're gonna we're gonna come home uh, with a two nothing lead, but not the case. And here we are, one one, heading into game three. Yeah, interesting comments in chat right now. And Matt Jansen, what's up, Matt? Says, uh, I think 55 takes some criticism for not doing enough other things when the pretty offense isn't there. Tough night, hit, four check, play D. Um, and those were the things that from Shifley's side wasn't there. Now, they had a plenty of offensive opportunities uh, led by Kyle Connor on that line in the first period. But when those don't go in, I mean, you can't have your line that's getting significant minutes get outplayed the way they did in the second and third period by the top players on the other side. Now, as I mentioned, this is uh, this is a long series. It's a best of seven. There'll be games like the first game and periods like the first period where the team looks completely dominant. And there'll probably be a couple more periods where Vegas really takes it to the Winnipeg Jets. And it's being able to deal with that, push through it, and get back to the foundations of the Rick Bonus system that did the Jets so well a little earlier. But it's also going to take, you know, that extra level of commitment and will from all of the players. And, you know, fair or unfair, Shifley's going to get singled out a little bit by a lot of people watching the game because of a couple of the things that we've just mentioned. Um, but they've also got to produce. And they weren't able to make that happen. And the offensive chances really did diminish as Vegas had the puck a lot more, was spending a lot more time in the Winnipeg jet end and putting a hell of a lot more pucks on Connor Hellebuck in period two and period three than the Winnipeg Jets did in the first period. You know, you mentioned the Bruce Cassidy quote. Maybe let's get to that because we will listen to the Jets, but I am interested and I'm sure people would like to hear you know, what happened within the Vegas Golden Knights dressing room after the first period? Because, as you know, we said uh, that was not a great period for Vegas. It was um, all Winnipeg and could have been much, much worse for Vegas if Loren Brassois hadn't really stepped up and made some brilliant, brilliant saves to keep his team in the game. Um, let's hear, this is Bruce Cassidy. He uh, talked about what changed after the first period for his club. Well, as I said, I, th I think we recognize after the first that we had to clean up some things to be better. We did. We moved a few pieces around. What, you know, you never know what, how that's going to impact certain lines, but I just think we realized it was time to get to our game. You know, you don't want to dig yourself too deep of a hole. You're, you're going to have some ups and downs, but 
we'll just give the players credit for that. It was time to get to, to our game. Um, you know, then scoring goals gets our, you know, any team gets the people, the buildings now now alive and, and we're giving them reason to, to be alive. And well, that's playoff hockey, momentum swings. And, you know, the other team maybe feels a little pressure to be cleaner and all of a sudden we're on top of them. And I just thought for us, a lot of times it's puck management. You know, first period, second shift of the game, we give their best line opportunity after opportunity. We get the huge saves, but... That just gives them life, and, and we got at least that part corrected. If you look at the score sheet, our top guys are all over the sheet. Their guys were all over the sheet the other night, you know, 1-1, one, one, right? That, that's typically how it works, so we corrected that as well. All right, so there's Bruce Cassidy, who was in a much better mood after Game 2 than he was after Game 1. That being said, the Winnipeg Jets have still taken home ice advantage in this series, and we'll have the next two games here in the peg at Canada Life Center in front of a loud and a loud crowd all dressed in white. Cannot wait for tomorrow. Um, Remo, before we talk about Bo- talk with Bones and um, get Scott Billikin here in a couple minutes, um, lots of people asking about Nikolai Ehlers right now and say if there's any update on Ehlers. We really will not have any updates on Nikolai Ehlers until tomorrow when we get to the rink and uh, if you're going to the game tomorrow, um, as I said, get there early, get there for warm up. I mean, the atmosphere of the playoff warm up has always been something special here in Winnipeg. And I think the crowd can really, really do um, can really can make something happen uh, and, and get that atmosphere cranked up even more and try and get the Winnipeg jets to the spot where the Vegas golden Knights were in those uh, in, in, in those two periods. Um, but Rima, we were just expecting that you know we'll probably see whether twenty seven is out there tomorrow. Yeah, uh, you were mentioning that uh, Ken had a take on that this morning. Yeah, Ken, I'm just picturing Ken like hounding Rick Bonus, asking him about Nikolai Ehlers' status because um, you know Bonus has like laughed at all the questions, but uh, Ken did tweet ten fifty three a.m. Rick Bonus said this morning that he's hopeful Nikolai Ehlers will receive medical clearance to suit up in Game Three. So hopeful. Well, I mean, well, I, is that the same as him saying day to day? Like, is that a change? Is that an upgrade from day to day? I'm sure he was hopeful the last couple days yeah. that uh, he would. I think the other times, what he just said day to day, and this time it's like, okay, maybe he'll be back. <laughs> like, hopeful. Is that an upgrade? Hopeful? Like, what's the percent chance? What's what's day to day? You know, how much would you bump up the chances of him playing? Ten percent more. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question. What is hopeful compared to just day to day and pumping the brakes on it? All I know is that if Ehlers comes out tomorrow in warm up and at the beginning of the game, uh, the fans are going to go nuts and hopefully he can add a much needed, um, offensive spark to the Winnipeg Jets. I'm just looking at the chat right now before we get to bones. And I like this one from Peg city, Don, it's way too somber in here. If the first two games were reversed and we won game two instead of game one, everyone would be pumped. Get pumped now. We're in a good spot. Go Jets, go. And I have to agree with Don. Um, and this goes back to what I said right off the bat. As great as the Jets look for the first four periods, it was unrealistic to think that the Vegas Golden Knights were not going to have a very strong, significant pushback. And we saw that. And, you know, they saved themselves from going down to nothing. Although... 
Laurent Brassois was a big part of that because, as I said, I thought the Winnipeg Jets could have scored multiple goals in that first period. And if that happens, are we tackling a different conversation today? Maybe. That being said, it's all in the rearview mirror. This is now a best of five. The Winnipeg Jets have home ice, and the Winnipeg Jets are going to have one of the best crowds in sports tomorrow getting behind them in the whiteout tomorrow at Canada Life Centre. Um, but before we bring in Billick, let's hear a little bit from Rick Bonus and the Winnipeg Jets coming out of last night's game before we really focus in on the matchups and what needs to change and hopefully be better for the Jets coming up in Game 3. Um, Bones took to the podium afterwards, was not pleased with the second half of the game for obvious reasons, and um, here's what he had to say on the game overall. If we had the chances to get that second goal, it would have been good. Uh, yeah, the first period was clearly our best. Uh, they took over in the second period, and clearly they won the third period. So uh, our execution with the puck wasn't very good. Um, we got on the wrong side of them, and we let them play a lot faster than we want them to play. And we look slow because of the execution. So, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, he put it basically as simply as uh, as he could but they did look slow because they weren't executing well and that was the one thing that you know I was I think everyone was so excited about just how fast they were skating and how well they were moving the puck um that they got away from that and you know probably credit to Vegas for what they were they were doing as well but a lot of that was on the Winnipeg Jets and certainly as we talked about that two-minute shift that got the Vegas Golden Knights the opportunity to get on the board and tie the game up was a big one. Um, Bones was asked about his top line of Dubois, Connor, and Mark Shifley uh, being on for a few red lights behind Hellebuck. You, you can't give up the goals we gave up tonight. Um, you know, when it was 2-2, we had a great opportunity to make it 3-2, and they came down and scored. Um, you, you can't... You can't get lose a face off like that and lose the guy going to the net. And then even the fifth goal, we got out muscled behind the net. You can't lose games there in the playoffs like that. Even we did. All right. So there's uh, Rick Bonus referring to uh, Mark Shifley losing Stevenson off of the face off for what ended up being the winning goal. And then, uh, you know, the uh, the puck battle. So many of these things just come down to puck battles. And I believe it was Dylan DeMello that lost that one on the fifth goal um, going forward. He did mention it being 2 2. And I. You know, I, I mentioned the beautiful tip from Adam Lowry that got the Winnipeg Jets on the board. It was really unfortunate the team didn't win the game. We talked about the Adam Party goal that, you know, was just a side note in a loss. Unfortunately, our guy Stenny getting on the board. And I thought the fourth line was really good Reem, yesterday. And that play, I can tell you where I was watching the game, people were losing it. The Saku Menelainen to Stenny combination when they were down to get it to 2-2. Such a big moment, and to get that sort of contributions from your fourth line to tie a game back up, um, probably even more tough to handle the way things went for the Winnipeg Jets, um, because those often those type of goals from unexpected sources um, are often huge difference makers when you're talking about one game come playoff time. You don't get a lot of goals uh, from the Jets' fourth line, and uh, to get that in a huge moment to tie thinking okay if our you know big guys can come and help us out you've gotten a goal from the third line at Adam Lowry in the power play although he may have even been the first line in game one um you've got a, a goal here from the fourth line you need you know the Connor Dubois Shifley line who was so good in game one uh to you know to step up or 
Uh, the second line, Nemesnikov, Niederreiter, Wheeler, they had chances, but they just weren't able to capitalize when they had the opportunities in Vegas, you know, came down and, uh, you know, you use the cliche, wanted it more, but when you keep losing these puck battles in the corners, that's leading to goals. Um, that's what it is. And you heard uh, Coach Cassidy say that, you know, in the clip we just played. So um, credit to Vegas. Uh, but I think the Jets are still in, you know, clearly are still in the series 1 1. You got to be happy with the position that they're in. Yeah, but uh, got to get that one tomorrow. And uh, I know the fans are going to be bringing it. Speaking of which, let me get to a why not question of the day for our friends at Nod Autocorp, Overly Waverly and McGilvery. For everyone that is in the YouTube chat, who's at the game tomorrow? Who's going to be there? And otherwise, what are your game plans? Where are you watching? Who are you watching with? Let us know what your Saturday is planned right now. And. Who's going to be putting the whites on either in the building or I know a few of you have also got tickets for the uh, street party. Hopefully it'll warm up a little bit. Not particularly nice outside. And I joked that, you know, we didn't get this big dump that everyone was hoping to uh, hoping to get or not hoping to get fearful that we were going to get of 10 to 20 centimeters. I would have happily traded 20 centimeters of snow for a better second and third period last night in a two nothing win. But uh not anything we can do about it. By the way, in the chat, hit that thumbs up. Let's get a few more in there as we're over 400 today here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Billick is all teed up, just about ready to go. Um, Going to give a sh- shout-out to had a great conversation with our pal Donnie over at Manitoba Battery this morning. The good times keep rolling. Uh, we're entering playoff Whitehouse, but also Manitoba Battery continues to celebrate their 10th birthday with more and more sales for all you folks getting ready for summer fun. And this time they're blowing out golf cart batteries for those of you that use your car to enjoy our beautiful Manitoba courses or those that use it to enjoy a cold one as you tour from friend to friend at your summer getaway. Six volt golf cart batteries are now 167 bucks and eight volt golf cart batteries are 177 and that's including free delivery anywhere in the city limits. And when you return your cores to Manitoba Battery, you'll receive another $17.50 off what is already the lowest price in Manitoba for golf cart batteries. Get them now so you can be ready for May long weekend and summer fun. The sale goes from now until May 6th. For more information, go to manitobabattery.com. Uh, need a cut? Need a little styling, folks? Head on over to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations in either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment online if you'd like at modernmanbarber.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. And it's crappy outside right now and yeah, it's all about the whiteout right now but very soon we're going to be thinking about golfing and then of course the summer why not make 2023 the year you and your family take the plunge visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you and while you're thinking about that pool if you're considering whole home renovations let them start with Aquatech with thousands of renovations as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And just before we bring in Billick, big weekend coming up. 
maybe a trip to Manitoba Liquor Marts heading into the weekend. Make sure you pop by and pick up Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, which is also a great supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk in the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, hey, if you're getting ready for a few other cocktails or whatnot for the big weekend and the game tomorrow afternoon, think about CC and Ginger. It's now available in 473 milliliter cans at Liquor Marts and beer vendors. And we're counting down the days till we can enjoy a few of those watching the blue and gold out at IG Field. Pick up Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's get Billick in here. <clears throat> For our first guest on a Friday afternoon. Scotty, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, didn't like waking up this morning to the snow, but uh, otherwise I'm good, yeah. It uh, could have been way worse. Hockey. Yeah. Were we supposed to get like 15 centimeters? Yeah, I mean, they said that, eh? And then they, there was like a snowfall warning last night. And I, I think the broadcast even mentioned like something like 10 centimeters or whatever. But luckily, uh, that's not the case. So, um, yeah, hopefully it melts quickly as it can. Yeah, well, listen, we'll bring the white out. The fans will yeah. bring the whiteout tomorrow in the building, and I think we'd all prefer that whiteout at playoff time as opposed to clearing another 10 or 15 off the cars. Um, that being said, I mean, I think, you know, anyone would have said before dropping the puck on game one that this was about going to Vegas and getting a split, which yeah. they did. Um, but recency bias is a real thing. I mean, when you play four incredible periods of six, you got to feel pretty good about yourselves and getting the win. But the fact that the you know the two periods that weren't at the top level were the most recent ones, and Vegas got life back in the series. Um, you maybe don't feel as great about it, but big picture, the Jets did what they needed to do and have a huge opportunity tomorrow at home in front of their home fans. That being said, how did you see yesterday's game? Because I mean, as I said to Reem was yeah. on the top, the first period I thought they looked even better than they did on Tuesday night. Right. Unfortunately, the Vegas Golden Knights, as you had to assume, were going to punch back, and did they ever in the in the second and third periods? Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of where the the biggest letdown of that game comes. Is, is you're right. I mean, that first period was, I think, everything that the Jets wanted and then some. They were aggressive. They they were fast. They were still breaking up the transition. They had they they, they were playing the body. They had good sticks. I mean, the gap was great. Everything was good. They got a great save from Connor Hellebuck on the glove hand, um, one that was on the line. I mean, what a, what a remarkable save. And then he took a cannon off the mass from Jack Eichel, like, what, 30 seconds after that? Not even. Um, yeah, I mean. Hey, just quickly on the yeah. Eichel play. I, I have to admit, there was part of me that thought that, you know, after Hellebuck had done what he'd done so far and made that save, yeah, like they're probably going. What the hell do we have to do to get to this yeah. guy? Right. Um, every now and then, a heater right to the dome of a goalie could maybe rattle them. I mean, I don't think Connor Hellebuck's getting rattled by anything, but I'm not sure that wasn't a scud meant to maybe loosen him up for later on. Um, that being said, it was somewhat scary. I mean, he got cut on it when going on, and that first Morgan Barron, then Hellebuck, the Blood Brothers of the first two games on the road, but. Um, just that save in itself, the one before that everyone was talking about. As I said, it's too bad the team lost the game because that save would go down as uh, I mean, I, an incredible moment in Jets playoff history if it was part of a big win on the road. Well, yeah, for sure. And I, I think that save, I mean, or the, 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 the off the mass, like Julie's masks are now, you know, contoured and such that, you know, pucks are supposed to kind of deflect off the face, right? 
I think Connor Hellebuck, I haven't seen like a, a slowed down replay of it yet, but like he took that flush, like that thing hit him directly. And I think that's, I mean, just the impact. I think they said on the broadcast it was 95 miles an hour. And the, I mean, the impact of that obviously pushed him in. I, I'm guessing it was his, the top part of the eye hole that pushed down and just caught him right across the eyebrow. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you're right. I mean, I think, you know, this, it, it, that save was, if I mean, if, uh, it should be a galvanizing save, if anything. But, you know, uh, you know, just go back to your original question. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how the team, I don't know why they got away from what they were doing. Like, that's like, you know, was it the four on three that deflated them? Was it, you know, that they didn't get that extra goal? Was it the, you know, coming out of the first, or the, yeah, the first intermission, giving up the Carlson goal where, 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 you know, the top line takes a two minute shift essentially. And Neil Pionk and Brandon Dillon are out there for 90 seconds, 92 seconds, I believe it was. Um, you know, that disrupts the rhythm of a game. Um, and especially in a game where you're, there's a lot of penalties still being called. There was, you know, what, seven last night. Um, you know, it was one more than game one. And, and so that already disrupts the flow of the game a little bit. And then you, you start having, um, you know, you, you have a couple of your, you know, your best, your, your best line taking a two-man shift that's leading to a goal against. That's a little deflating. But, you know, the Jets just kind of got away from the game. And I thought in the third period, especially, they didn't look like a team that was comfortable in a 2-2 game, like yeah, in a tie game. They, it, it seemed like they were almost chasing it, like almost like they were, they were down a goal, in my opinion. That's the way that they were kind of playing the game. Um, you know, it was just a little cute. They, they stopped being as physical, I thought. I mean, there, there was a lot of hits in that game. Um, but but it just wasn't the same. The gap wasn't right. Um, the sticks weren't right. I mean, uh, you know, we can, whoever we want to blame on the, on the Chandler Stevenson, you know, game-winning goal, but Mark Shifley needs to be there. It's arguable because I've had, you know, some backlash from people saying that Alva can't give up that rebound. I tend to disagree on that just because of the way the goalies pads are made now and how pucks almost accelerate off their pads because of the way that, that it's made. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, they just, you know, their Vegas's best players showed up in the game and they took it over, you know, in, in, from, you know, the, no, they took it over. I think you're exactly right. Because it, and, if you just watched yeah. the first period, you wouldn't have been saying that, and we just played the clip of Bruce no. Cassidy talking about afterwards. But speaking of the top players on the club, I mean, you mentioned two things right off the bat, Scott, and I think that four on three, yeah, was was a key moment. And I'm seeing people in chat. I mean, that sucked a lot of the momentum out of the team. That should have been a glorious opportunity to finally get another one past uh, past Loren Brassois, and they did almost nothing with it. And you know, much like when the power play was really, really struggling a few weeks ago, um, you know, you get those opportunities and don't do anything with them. And even if you're playing well at five on five, it can really reverse the momentum. And I thought that did happen for the Winnipeg Jets. And then, of course, that two-minute shift for Shifley and, and, and Dubois, um, as well as the defenders that we've been on for quite a long time. It, it, I mean, an eminently clearable puck bunch of guys around it and Carlson just walks in and rips it in and get them off the on the board and then of course you mentioned the Chandler winner I mean that top line was centrally involved in all of that they were on the power play they were out there forever and were able to get off on the goal and then Mark Shifley in particular 
who wasn't singled out by name by Rick Bonus, but he made it pretty clear that you need to be. This is playoff hockey. You cannot be late or be caught puck watching around it. I'll say this. Hellebuck, as brilliant as he was in so many aspects, the rebound control maybe was the one area of his game that I think could and needs to be better. But when we're talking about all of these things, we're not talking about Connor Hellebuck. We're frankly talking about that top line, and in particular Mark Scheifele, who you can get past some of those things if you're putting goals in yourself. Yeah. But if you're not, and the uh, the top players on the other club are uh, making the difference, you're probably not going to win the hockey game. And um, I think this is a huge challenge to Scheifele in particular to step up and have a much more positive impact in the game tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I thought he was, I, I thought he was good and engaged in game one, and I don't know where it changed in game two. Like, it, it, it's so. I mean, it, it's sort of a microcosm of this season, right? I mean, we know that you know it's the playoffs and it's new, and everybody was on the high after game one because of how well the Jets, you know, uh, played, and they didn't play well. They played very well in that game, right? And and but yeah, you know, you see those things, and then. You know, you talked about recency bias a, a little earlier, and and he, he, there is that, but I think there's also like this trend across the season where people see, you know, Mark Shifley not committed on that play enough, um, and that just that opens up a wound, right? I mean, that opens up um, uh, a, an ability to question, you know, this team or at least Mark Shifley's um, whatever. And, and Mark, with you know, I, I like we get it. Like Mark Shifley often gets speed bagged for a lot of the, a lot of the problems on, on this team because, but part of that is him being one of the leaders on this team. He wears an A, one of the best players on the team, one of the best goal scorers on the team. And one of the guys ultimately that this team looks for in these situations to step up. Right. I mean, that's, that's Mark Shifley's job. And we've seen him in the playoffs five years ago, do just that. I mean, you know, set a retired center tied a record. I think it was tied a record for for most road goals that season. I kid. I mean, it was just it was it was such a good playoffs. We haven't really seen him in the last couple of playoffs because he, he had his ankle problem with Matt Kachuk hit in the bubble, and then he obviously Jake Evans. Uh, well, we saw him in the first round, but then he Jake Evans or he he he, he Gerald Jake Evans, and then he was out of that Montreal series, and so. Oh, and he wasn't any good in the St. Louis series either. I mean, this really goes back to right. it was it does. the best we've ever seen from Mark Shifley was really him. That Nashville series was the Mark Shifley yeah. series, and they knew yeah. need more of that. But listen, the puck won't always be going in the net. But here's the thing, and Rick Bonus talked about that after the game. It's one thing to not score, but you still need to do the things that got you to that point in sure. the first place. Yeah. And, he, you know, I mean... Listen, this is not to just pile on a guy, but he needs to be better. And the bottom line is it would be great to see them score goals and, you know, to to be more offensively potent. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to be out there in those key situations, in tie games, in playoff games in the third period, you better be on your man. You better be as committed to doing those little things as you know the Vegas Golden Knights were in the yeah. last two periods. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, Mark Shetty can't go dash three in a hockey game. I mean that's just the way it is in the playoffs. You can't get, you can't get dominated. Like and by that. the way, that's exactly what everyone was saying about Mark Stone and Jack Eichel in game number one. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the thing, right? I, I, you know, everything good that we said after game one about the Jets. I mean, this is how quickly it changes, right? I mean, this is this is in a hockey mad market, 
it doesn't matter. I mean, for all they, for a lot of people today, um, it doesn't matter that they're coming home one on one because, and as you alluded to again, that the recency bias, people wanted people. I think after game one, people expected a two nothing Jets series lead coming back home, um, and and a lot of people wrote off the the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, they did the after they the first period. They probably did. Well, I mean, because yeah, that's, that's the thing. They literally just continued on, and this is yeah. the danger of game. Uh, of game game three, right? Like, well, and also in best of seven, and Dubois talked about this, how the games sort of bleed into another. And I mean, I think we saw game number one bleed into game number two in the first period, and then the Vegas Golden Knights doing something about it, and the Jets getting away from good puck management, decision-making, and then winning less battles. What the Winnipeg Jets have to do as we look ahead to tomorrow is not let the last two periods of game two bleed into game three um, yeah. because if that happens, they're going to be chasing the game again and playing catch up, even though they really only were in that situation in the second half of the third period. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's, I, I agree with you on that. And I think, I think it's, it's a lot harder, but based on what we know about the jets this season, it would be a lot harder for them to come back from, let's say two, nothing down in the first period than it was for Vegas to come back from one, nothing down. And it's just the way that the Jets handle adversity. And and I didn't think that they really handled the adversity of last night's game very well. And I think at the end of the day, you look at the fact that, you know, you get up one nothing in the first period on a power play goal, you're happy about that. The power play is two for six in the series. You're happy about that um, at this point. But you're not happy about how you wasn't three for six um, because of the four on three. You're not happy then with, you know, the way that you, those goals, you gave up those two goals in the third. I think you're happy about the way that Kevin Stenland tied the game up, but that, that's a, that's a, a a play that, you know, if Braden McNabb doesn't blow up a tire on that at his own blue line or just, you know, just around in the neutral zone there, that probably doesn't happen, right? It was very opportunistic. Opportunistic. Who cares? Take it those things are going to happen, and they did it. I agree with and you. And a fourth I mean, line goal is so big. I mean, like those it, sort of fourth huge. line goals can be. But, like I kind of thought that. Wow. But they can't be outplaying the top line, right? And I thought last night yeah. the fourth line was almost as good, or if not better, than the fourth or the top line was. And 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 that's a problem, right, for this Jets team. And but again, you again, we can look back at Game One, and you could probably say the same thing about Vegas. Like you know, their stars weren't good. Um, and you know, last game, Winnipeg Stars went in. I thought Kyle Connor had a good game offensively, but eight shots and no goals is, is you gotta you gotta hit the back of the net. Like this is the time in the year where you gotta put one in. And you know, Lauren Brassois, and that's the other thing we haven't really talked about. Did Lauren Brassois outduel Connor Hellebuck last? I had a good debate with Kenny and Randy last night on their show about this, and you know, I, I think. But the more I think about it, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure. You would pin a lot of the goals on Connor Hellebuck last night, um, no. and, and any of that. Um, but at the same time, Laurent Brassois looked better, right? He didn't look nearly as shaky as he did in Game One. Um, he was brilliant in the first period, and that—that's where—that's yeah. where he earned his yeah. paycheck last night, yeah. keeping the Vegas Golden Knights in that game. And I mean, Kyle Connor, you mentioned. <laughs> I mean, at one point, I think Green was tweeting this out. KFC had five shots on goal, and the Vegas Golden Knights had two. I mean, he was everywhere. They were everywhere. They were putting shots on net. And, I mean, the play that he made in undressing Peter Angelo, one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League, and Deakin, if that one goes in, 
I mean, everyone here is losing their minds, but then you've got a 2 nothing lead. I mean, Loren Brassois' ability to prevent the Jets from going up to 2 nothing uh, in the first period, if you want to look at goaltending effects on either side, to me, probably the biggest factor in the game. Unfortunately for the Jets, and this is why I'm not going to say this was uh, Brassois out-dueling Hellebuck, is that the rest of the way... The Jets weren't getting chances like that for the most part. And, yeah. you know, he did he did his work in the first period. I thought Alibach, you know, at times throughout, I mean, when, especially in the second period, um, you know, when... many shots against, right? It, it, yeah. it, exactly. And, I mean, the Eichel goal was, I mean, both of the tips, you can't fault either of the goaltenders on it, which just speaks more to Brassois. I mean, the 17 shots, the one that went in, you got no chance on it. Listen, I thought both goalies played really well. I didn't think Brassois had to play that well, though, in the second and third period. But, again, sometimes, you know, hockey, in, a, in the course of a game, in the course of a series, there will be moments and there will be periods of time where particular players are leaned on or have to come up big. And full credit to Brassois because, to be honest, Scott, coming out of the way game one went, I wasn't sure whether... We were going to see Brassois maybe get chased at some point. And then where does Bruce Cassidy go from there? But yeah. full credit to him for preventing that from happening when it could have easily if he wasn't on top of his game. Yeah, they needed him to bounce back, right? I mean, you know, his backup last night was Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill hasn't played in a while. And they obviously don't trust Jonathan Quick, who's a two-time Stanley Cup player. I believe you want Con Smythe as well, but that was a decade ago, right? So that that's different. And yeah, I mean, they're really leaning on Laurent Brassois. And and I thought I mean I think the the funny thing was I I'm pretty sure on 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 Kyle Connor's deke on on Brassois, to me that's insider information like I I really liked you know how Brassois read that play because he read it really well um, to make that save and and you know to me that's just okay well you you faced this guy a lot before over three years in Winnipeg and you kind of know kind of his tendencies and what he's going to do and and that sort of thing so you know that that was interesting but yeah you know you're right I mean. Brassois looked like the goalie that played, you know, 10 games this season, went 7 and 3 last night. He didn't look like that game in game one at all. He looked like the moment was the moment was big. It was a big moment. He talked about it. You know, I, I thought it was interesting because before game one, he talked about, oh, you know, it's just another game, but, but it's a little higher intensity. I think he found out it's just more than just a little higher intensity um, of a playoff game. But you know, kudos to Robert Brassois. He readjusted. He settled himself, reset, and, and came out and had a good game. I, I I thought that's what Vegas did, you know, as a whole, as a team. Um, they made, you know, some really good adjustments in that first intermission after the period, I think. And, and you know, you know, credit to Bruce Cassidy. I think in the end, he kind of coached, you know, Rick Bonus too, in that sense, too. Because it, it, it was those adjustments that were made, um, you know, turned the tide in the game. And then... And now it's, you know, the balls in, in Rick Bonus's court to come back and, uh, as you talked about earlier, kind of thwart the the assault that I assume is going to come and bleed over from, from the second game into the third game. I'll be honest. I don't know whether he did many adjustments at all other than kicking his team in the ass and say, wake the hell <laughs> up, Joseph. Wake the hell up before you're down to nothing. Um, sure, um, yeah. And, and, you know, and again, I mean, this really did come down to, I mean, the top players on both teams and what these teams got out of them. Um, but also, and I mean, I think some of this was self-inflicted, but I will give Vegas a lot of credit for, you know, the way they forechecked, the way they got on the Winnipeg Jets. They did force the Jets to, you know, make some mistakes. To uh, I think the pressure that they put on them 
was a big part of the fact that the puck management, which was so good from about the 10-minute mark of period number one in game one through the first period in game two, just wasn't there because it wasn't easy. They made it that much harder to do. Um, just quickly, Nikolai Ehlers' situation. Everyone hopeful that we're going to see him uh, come back tomorrow. And I guess Kenny tweeted today that Bones had said that he's hopeful that he will, he'll play. Let's uh, let's think that let, let's just say he does tomorrow. Um, sure. Is it as simple as going back to where the lines were, putting Ehlers on the left side along with Nemestikov and Wheeler, Niedermeyer playing with Lowry and Morgan Barron going down and playing along with Steny and uh, and Mendelina and Gus gets back up to the press box? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, because because I liked, I mean, in my opinion, you know, I like watching those four lines down the stretch over those final five or six games that they played together um they were dominant i mean the all the analytics would suggest that um i think rick, rick bonus knows that and I, I think you need to put you know healers back into that spot and let him go i, I thought that Nita Ryder with adam lowry and minis appleton really gave that team a, a proper shutdown line um and you know i think the fourth line was fine with morgan baron on it so um, you know, it, it gave that, and I, I don't think you're sacrificing anything. I think that line gets better. It's just David Gustafson hasn't played enough um, this season to be as effective as you'd want to be. One thing I would say, though, to kind of count on my own point, is that five on five last night, that fourth line played almost eight minutes together. And that was like about, uh, you know, a four minute increase from the game before. So there was some trust built, I, uh, I think, between games one and two for Rick Bonas. Um, just kind of watching that. But no, I, I do think they go back to that because that's that's where the chemistry was built. Those are the lines that they went into the playoffs with. Those are the lines that they found. Um, in my opinion, it was a little bit of a, a, a desperation move, but it worked paid off uh, late on in the season. And, you know, I think that's what it is. I think it helps the power play immensely. I mean, you know, he power plays right now is 33%, but I, I think they needed the little Nikolai Ehlers on that, that four-on-three the other night because there's just no movement. It was so perimeter playing. So... You know, if he does play tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I think they go back to dealers on that second line, and and because it just worked, it, it, it all those lines work really well until they don't. Um, I, I think that you have to go back with them and and let them let them eat like they did, you know, in the, down the stretch and the rest of their uh, the final games of the regular season. Hey, what uh, do you and the uh, boys have cooking in the sun heading into Game Three? Oh, well, I mean, I had a jet setting today, so our video uh, stuff, um, you know, a couple more articles today, and then really kind of get going on the coverage tomorrow. I think golf three of us are expecting to be in the press box. So first time this year, first time in, in several years, I think that we'll have all three of us up there. So, yeah, uh, there will be uh, planting that, the sun flag in that press box there again for uh, for for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how, see how the games go. I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to the whiteout. I mean, Oh, yeah. I, I think that that's the one thing that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, um, where you come from. Like, that, it's just an incredible environment that, you know, I think back to 2014-15 where it, the, the stands were packed for the warm-up. Like, that's how ridiculous. You I know, hope that that's out. the case tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And, like, and if you're listening, if you're going to the game tomorrow, get there early because that oh, yeah, was special. Like, it wasn't the case as much in 2019. And no, I think or, yeah. there was a hangover. There was a well, hangover from the power team. The parties outside too, right? So people wanted to be out on that as well. I think. Good I think point. In Good 2014, point. 15, you didn't, you didn't have that against Anaheim. So 
But I mean, I remember that shit because it, it's not the loudest I've ever heard because game three against Nashville was the loudest I've ever heard that building and Jake Troop was scored that goal. But I, I, I do think that when you, you, you have all the fans, like, you know, 15,000 plus in that in that arena chanting, go Jets, go in the warm-up, right? Like that, 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 that's something that most players don't get to experience. And I think the big thing about tomorrow is there's so many players on this team now that have never never experienced that because of yeah you know not even you have to go back to 2018 19 until the last whiteout was here because everything else has been covid restricted or in the bubble or whatever right so yeah i'm, I'm looking really fortunate because i just the atmosphere is it, it's next to you know it's second to none right it, it is it is a it's a wild place to be and and the fans really really make it uh something special for everybody that's in that building. Well, you guys enjoy the press box. I'll be with the people in the stands, and uh, I uh, I can't wait for it. I, I'm with you all the way. I mean, I hope we see that place as full as possible for the warm-up right now, and uh, hopefully it'll give the Jets a big boost, try and uh, get another one up and uh, take a 2-1 lead in the series. Scott, thanks for doing this, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll say what's up to Ted and Paul. Yeah, we'll do. Appreciate us. Thanks for having me. All right. We're going to go from uh, Billick to Ruwiki. Before we do that, I've got to give a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, family owned and operated since 1936, carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products and great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Uh, folks, healthy fats are important. That's right, healthy fats. Omega-3 fatty acids, beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. That's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel. Health First Omega Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you can't make it down to one of the seven Vita Health stores, you can also visit their website to buy online at myvita.ca, local delivery is now available. Uh, our friends at Wallace and Wallace are ready for spring and summer. They are the fencing and overhead door specialists serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace and Wallace are the garage door experts with Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700 is the number. The Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, how's the closet looking, fellas? How's your menswear? looking as we get into spring and summer. If you need to up your menswear game, pop on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party this summer, get your suits at F. Everyone will get a 15% discount on their custom suits. And if you've got a 2023 grad in the fam, Get the young man a new suit to uh, move on to the new chapter of his life, and F Apparel will include a free custom shirt and tie valued at around 150 bucks. Pop down and see him, 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an, uh, an appointment or find out more online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And a big shout-out to the Nick and Nicky DQ group. You want some sweet treats and uh, some great grub for the big game tomorrow pop by one of four nick and nicky dqs dq northgate dq polar park dq st anne's and dq niverville 
or with it being an afternoon game, the Jets can win. Maybe you do your own little whiteout down at DQ with some blizzards after the game. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you want a custom blizzard or ice cream cake for an event as well. All right, let's welcome in the host of Skates and Plates, our good pal Brandon Rowicki, to get his thoughts on the series so far and maybe the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Rue, what's going on? How much, man? Doing good. Yeah. Well, you know what? They're good. I mean, if you would have told me that um, – the Jets were coming back 1-1, getting ready for the whiteout tomorrow. I would have absolutely t- taken it. Uh, maybe the vibes aren't quite as high because of the second and third period last night, especially after. I mean, I don't know. I, I finished watching that first period with my friends, and I, I said, I mean, that might be, like, as great as the game on Tuesday was, and it was arguably the best game this team's played in a couple of years. I thought they might have even been better in the first period last night, which frankly made it a little more disappointing the way the game sort of got away from the Jets and uh, how successful Vegas was in counter-punching after um, a complete onslaught from Winnipeg in the first 20. Yeah, I mean, disappointing, but also kind of encouraging in a in a weird way. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel pretty good heading into this back-to-back here in Winnipeg right now. And I... You know, it, it didn't work out for them in game two, but I mean, at, at some point you had to imagine that Vegas was going to come out with something. I mean, it took them 25 minutes to get going, which was, you know, shocking in itself. But you, you had to imagine that was just going to be a tough one for the Jets to pull off. They were playing with house money going into it. I guess the real disappointment just was that, you know, you had that chance to put your foot on the throat in the first, and, and you could have almost ended the series there if you grabbed three goals. But, you know, they, they get the one, and, and Bressois played really good as well, and, and he was a big part in, in keeping it within striking distance for Vegas. Uh, but it was just once that second period got rolling, there, there wasn't really a whole lot the Jets had an answer for. So, I, I you know, it's, it's funny. I saw some people saying that it was an opportunity miss for the Jets and there was a bunch of disappointment, but I, I, I don't really see it that way because, you know, even when Vegas took over in the Final 40, the Jets still had a ton of great chances. And if that's going to be the best punch that Vegas has to throw here, I don't know. I, I feel I feel pretty confident still that the Jets can grab, you know, at least three wins in the next five games here. And I think I think anybody that's feeling a little down after having things all squared heading into Winnipeg for Game Three, I I, I don't think that's the mindset to take here. I think the club quite easily won four of the six periods, and they were still competitive in the in the two periods. Um, last night that that the Golden Knights took over there. And so I think a better effort from the Top Guns here in Winnipeg and this one on, on Saturday afternoon will, will go a long way. And, you know, Hellebuck's rolling, Morrissey's rolling. There's there's still way, way more positives than negatives heading into the, the middle of the series. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I love that take. And, um, and I think it's important to look at it in the big picture, look at what the team has been able to do, um, as well as learn from, you know, what Vegas did in the second and third period and be ready for it a little bit more. Because, I mean, as Bone said after the game, I mean, a lot of the things that disappointed him were, you know, in some ways self-inflicted. Now, I'll give a lot of credit to Vegas. I think anyone that knows what this team is made of, what they accomplished through the regular season, had to expect that this team was going to come out and play like their season was on the line in the second and third period. And they did it. Their top players look night and day. And if you really want to compare the two games, I mean, what the difference was, the Jets' best players were the best players for the full 60 minutes in game number one. 
And in game number two, Mark Stone in particular, the heart and soul of that team, but also Jack Eichel kind of stepped up and announced their uh, entering the chat, if you will, and uh, making a difference. But, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets need to manage the puck the way they did earlier on down the stretch and in the first game um, and do some of those simple things that got away from them a little bit that uh, that cost them. And I'm with you. I mean, there's no reason why this team can't win three out of five. And I think they've shown themselves the ability to do that. Um, they just need to get away from some of the things that cost them. And a lot of it is going to be relying on the guys that get the big paychecks, in particular that top line. Kyle Connor's got to score on some of those opportunities. He had so many early on. Um, and as was quite a topic in the chat and certainly bones afterwards, um, you know, if you're Mark Shifley and you're not scoring, you got to make sure you're holding things down as best as you can. At least you can't be watching the puck. You can't be giving a Chandler Stevenson that sort of space in front of your own net. Those are pretty simple things, but they're also very correctable things. I mean, in theory, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've oh. seen the best. It's been a bit of an issue. So it's like, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's like, I, I was wondering what you feel about this. Cause I was talking about this. We, we just finished doing a, an episode of skates and plates because I was passed out, you know, midway through the, the second period there was just no chance I had to make it in through the game. Um, but like how, how concerned, like how concerning should it be? Because Everything was done right in game one from from that top. I mean, they were just they were so that that was what everybody's dream is that those guys can be out there. Um, But then it was it wasn't worst case scenario, but it was a pretty big step back specifically from Mark Shifley. And it's 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 tough to to hold on and hope for consistency like that when things can change so drastically game to game. Like I I, it's funny because I think he's going to be all right in game three, but. Can you bank on that for game four? Is it going to be there for game, right? Like it's, I don't know. It, it, it was, it was pretty disappointing and disheartening, especially because they played so good in the first, like, it's like, it just happened at the drop of a hat. And then maybe it was just the first Vegas goal where the team sagged off a little bit and, and lost some of their sharpness, but there really were no warning signs for the first half of that game. that There was going to be this massive drop off. And then, you know, snap of the fingers, it's puck watching on the Stevenson goal. It's taking a two and a half freaking minute long shift um, leading to one of the other chances for, for Vegas. And it, it just, it, it continued that way. And they were still able to generate offense, which is great. But if you look at the, like the expected goals number for that line, led the game and expected goals for led the game and expected goals against. And that's always been the problem, right? Can you, can you maybe drop off a little bit with the goals for, but drop way off with the goals against, like, can you get that out of them there? So um, I, I, I expect better, but I think it's fair to say you can't assume that it's going to be better with, with those guys, which is, you know, where we are, where we're at right now. It's just kind of what you have to assume is going to be the case here, which is really unfortunate, but hopefully it's good enough, at least in game three. Yeah. I mean, it does put a lot of pressure on Pierre-Luc Dubois because when Dubois is going, he has, you know, a, a, a skill set that is unlike really anybody else on the team other than Adam Lowry, but with a far higher offensive ceiling. And, um, you know, I mean, that two-minute that two minute shift was so damaging, and Bones talked about shorter shifts, and obviously you can't just, you know, peel off when the, the puck's in your own end, but the ability to win a battle, to get it out, um, you know, they, they weren't able to do that. And, you know, the guys, that was so frustrating because, I mean, you had four guys around it and guys that had been out on the ice for a long time. But 
when you've been out there that long, even the simple plays aren't very simple. And, you know, William Carlson, I think, sort of identified this. It was in between those guys and just kind of swoops in and rips one in. And all of a sudden, Vegas is right back in the game. Um, but again, this goes back to Brassois and his performance in period one. I mean, if he doesn't step up and and really show that he is the guy for the Vegas Golden Knights, we're talking about a game that's 3 nothing or 4 nothing, and it's probably a very, very different story. But those long shifts and just, I mean, as I say, you know, when your winning goal is basically off a face-off of a guy that gets loose in front of your own net due to basically puck watching, that's going to be something that'll be definitely hammered in on the video. And I do wonder... I mean, part of the reason why I think Mark Scheifele was moved to the wing was because, you know, the defensive liabilities don't hurt you as much in that position as far as center. They're still switching the guys and letting Scheifele take the faceoffs on his strong side. I'm not sure that maybe that experiment um, is limited, shall we say, depending on where they're at in the game, because I'm not sure that that happens as it did if Dubois is in the circle, even if they lose the draw. It's a fair point. And I mean, you, you wonder too, at some point in the series, if we do see a change in the top six, where whether it's Shifley Dubois down the middle or just those two on different lines, like what the move is. And I mean, if, if you're like me and hoping to see Dubois Shifley one, two down the middle, the, the Stevenson goal is exhibit a of why that might not be the best idea, but like you do wonder at some point here, not, not that they're your two most dangerous offensive weapons, but, just to to spread the wealth in that top six, because the third line has been, as they have been for how many weeks now, really, really successful and steady and strong for them. And I don't know how much you necessarily want to break that up, but, you know, do you need a little bit more scoring punch on that second line? And and that's the risk, too, when you put all your eggs in one basket overloading the top line is... When well, they're the, going, they the win you out if Ehlers comes back. I mean, what a weird situation this has been. I mean, who knows, right? I, that, yeah, I I mean, th- does anybody know what's going on? I Like, I don't know if they are if they were just holding him back for game three, especially after you get the first one in Vegas, where it's like, uh, maybe we can maybe we can make do well, for game two. It's got to be something. I mean, if the doctors are not clearing him to play, I mean, that's why I said after the game, after game number one, I mean, you're talking about a 48-hour turnaround. Uh, having won the first game, I mean, once they won that, I didn't think that they would push anything. Um, but I do think, and listen, what a boost it'll be for the team, for the crowd, if Ehlers is out there tomorrow. And as I talk with Scott, I would assume that if Ehlers is good to go, and let's hope that is the case, he goes right back to the left side of the second line with Vlad and Wheels and then Nino Niederreiter comes back down to, and listen, Morgan Barron has been awesome, and we all know the Warrior, like, just still insane that he came back in that game after what happened to him. But the way Adam Lowry's playing right now, and Mason Appleton is Mason Appleton, he's really going. Having Nino Niederreiter on that line, a guy that scores 20, 25 goals in his sleep every season, has been very engaged, playing a very physical style, I mean, that is almost a dream scenario to have him playing with those guys. But you you need to have the guys above him in the lineup, and they have that if it's Ehlers. Although Ehlers might not be the guy that's a prototypical playoff guy, and if he is injured or dealing with something that's iffy, I mean, I think that might have been part of the reason why he was held out as well by the doctors is that 
you know that he'll have a massive target on him the second he gets out there and Vegas is going to physically challenge him. So you want him to be ready to go and ready to handle it so he can hack the game and be the effective player that he is. Yeah, it's just bizarre that, you know, Ehlers says he's ready and the team says otherwise. Like, especially come playoff time, like that that usually takes precedence, right? It, it's just a bizarre situation overall. And by the, you mentioned Morgan Barrett. I, I just want to get this thought out there because it's been in my head. That's going to be the number one Halloween costume in Winnipeg this year. <laughs> Morgan Barrett. I'm glad, I'm glad you like that. I'm glad you like I was thinking. I, I was thinking about that when I saw before before game two there. I'm like, that's got to be like a bunch of 10-year-olds door-to-door rocking the 75-stitch scar down the side there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that I imagine that would be how the lineup goes, and, and why not? Right. Uh, speaking of Baron, people in the chat are already saying that they're coming tomorrow wearing bandages and whatnot oh, yeah. in there uh, as part of their uh, their white getups for the game. Or the heli, like the hell, the big square bandaid over the over the eyebrow there. Like what are the two, right? Um, and hey, look, you know I know Baron's a. We all know he's a gamer now, but like may, maybe getting them on the fourth line and giving him a bit of a break there might not be bad for the guy either like he's only dealing with losing a pint of blood like maybe let's give him a, a couple minutes off per game but uh, that that's why the the return of Ehlers is is just so massive because like you said there to have a guy like Nino on the third line that that's such a such an advantage there's there's probably not too many third lines man that have somebody like a Nino Niederreiter on them in the entire playoffs right well, now. Like, I'll say this, in the entire playoffs, the way that he's playing, I'm not sure there's a lot of third lines that have a guy playing like Adam Lowry is right now. Exactly. And, and I mean, the Golden Knights forward group is is so interesting to me, too, because, I don't know, I, I've been pretty underwhelmed by them so far. And I, I know they were all awful in Game 1, but even in Game 2, like, they're, there's just not a lot of finishing ability. There's not a lot of high-end talent in that in that forward group, and... You know, if the Jets can turbocharge a third line there and have them take care of business against pretty much anybody, it's going to be tough for the Knights to slow down that Winnipeg offense. Well, let's get to, you know, the fact that tomorrow and Monday is a home game for the Winnipeg Jets. And it's been Bruce Cassidy with the with the the last change in the first two games. And he's um, been very clear. He's trying to get Jack Eichel away from Adam Lowry. Um how impactful do you think will that last change be for Rick Bonus in getting the matchups that he wants um, when the puck's being dropped throughout the game? Yeah, massive. <laughs> Especially if you can get as much as possible, if you're going to overload the Shifley line, to get them away from, I think even more so, get them away from Mark Stone as opposed to Eichel. Uh, because Stone, we, we all we all know what he's capable of. He's you know one of the best defensive winners of all time. So if you can get him away from those guys, I think that's a big, big-time win. And I'm not going to be surprised to see. I'm not going to be surprised, to see, even if Ehlers is back, to see the Lowry line have more ice time in this game three than whatever the second line ends up being. Uh, because I imagine that they're going to get pretty heavily matched up against the Eichel trio. So, I, yeah, I, I think it is really important. On top of that, too, to get Morrissey and DeMello out there against them. Um, you know, Morrissey, may, maybe not so quietly. I thought, at least, with all the other talking points going on in the game, quietly had a dominant game, too. He was fantastic and, and Dylan DeMello's had a really really quietly steady couple of games as well um, so to be able to get your shutdown line and your, your your top D pairing up against the most dangerous weapon for the Vegas Golden Knights it's it's massive it, it's going to be huge for the team and then to have I think much more palatable opportunities for Shifley Dubois and Connor to go out there in advantageous situations yeah I'm not going to be surprised if we see 
much closer to a game one performance from those three as opposed to what we saw in game two. That's what I'm talking about. Um, one other thing that, I mean, I guess it's lost a little bit in the way the game finished up yesterday, but the fourth line looked awesome last night. Everyone knows I'm a big Steny guy. I mean, for the day that he got called up, I was saying on this show, I'm not sure that he's getting sent back down. Just between the face-offs and his size, he can work out. And I thought Menelainen is, I mean, he's physically ready for this type of hockey and what a play last night. Although what really kind of stings about losing that game is it's that when you, the goal, right? when you get a huge yeah. goal from your fourth line to tie up a game like that, that often is the difference between you know winning and losing. And unfortunately for the Jets, they weren't able to build off a great play from some guys that don't normally have those sort of opportunities and don't get a ton of ice time. I totally agree. And I mean, how many times... Have the Jets gotten two goals from their bottom six and lost a game, right? Like when, when that happens there, you're feeling pretty damn good about their chances. And, you know, it was just, you know, Vegas spending way too much time in the Jets and at the ice. They couldn't really generate consistent, sustained offense in the in the latter parts of that game. But, yeah, I mean, the fourth line has been everything you've you've ever hoped for, right? Like they've been really, really strong. I thought game two was Menelainen's best as a Jet. And we know how impactful he is on the penalty kill. Um Offense clearly isn't his forte, as we saw through the uh, the 82 games of the regular season. But you throw in a backhand sauce like that to steady on the on the rush there, and you get that opportunity. And I mean, it completely changed the complexion of the game. It looked like at the time, it it, it should have been a back breaking goal. It's just too bad the Jets couldn't take advantage of that. Um, but that that specific sequence as well is something that I think is an element to this matchup that I didn't think would be a big thing. But I would keep an eye on this, too, and especially in games three and four here in Winnipeg. Vegas is really, really susceptible off the rush. I, I was just blown away at how many odd man opportunities the Jets have been able to create through the first two games of the series. Like it's, it, it almost looked amateur hour at times, man. I mean, th there is some major, major opportunities here for the Jets, especially early in this one in the first period with the building rocking. And I think they're going to come out, you know, like a bat out of hell. Uh, don't don't be shocked if we see a bunch of two on ones and three on twos to start the game here. Vegas has just put so many guys way below there, like way below the hash marks, almost at the goal line inside the Jets' defensive zone. And and there's big time chances for the Jets to go back the other way. That was one they capitalized on there, and they had a bunch with Shifley and Connor specifically where they were able to to get numbers and go the other way. They just couldn't finish them. But it, I, don't be shocked if we see the Jets put up you know, three or four goals in these next two games with a handful of them coming on odd men uh, advantages off the rush. Well, you know what? It's a great point. I agree 100%. And I think a lot of that, um, you know, the success they had for four periods and the success that they didn't have for the second and third, um, you know, has a lot to do with the blue line. And, you know, the Jets for game number one and certainly for the start of yesterday – seemingly were confident they were making the fast quick pass they were getting the puck into open space they were getting it out of danger away from the knights and then the forwards took off to the races um you know as and maybe this was tired i'm sure we got to give vegas a lot of credit with the way that maybe maybe we're a little bit more diligent on the forecheck not over committing but maybe some of those spots weren't there as much but the bottom line was the jets defense corps did not manage the puck as well as they had been earlier on. And 
that is where it all starts. And I mean, we heard it a number of times referenced by Rick Bonus on what disappointed him about the game was the execution just simply wasn't there. And I will give Vegas some of the credit, but I do think that if Winnipeg and their blue line can get back to those confident, smart, quick passes to get things moving in the right direction, what you're predicting and what we've seen so far at times in this series could absolutely happen again. And if that does, that's good news for the home team tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it's twofold too, right? They were able to do that in game one because I thought, you know, Vegas's forecheck, I didn't think it. We all saw it. It was non-existent. Like, they just weren't, for whatever reason, they just weren't skating. And you give, I mean, you give any D-line a bunch of time like that. But, you know, the Jets do have some guys that can move the puck if given time and space. I mean, they just cut Vegas apart all all, all night in game one there. But especially once the second period got started, we saw, we saw the Vegas forecheck from the regular season for the first time in the playoffs. And... Yes, the Jets weren't as sharp there, like Bone said, but at the same time, they weren't sharp because they were being pressured a little bit more. And and so it's chicken or the egg, chicken and the egg, right? Like, you know, which one caused the other one there? I, I think, like you said, you know, we always focus on what Winnipeg does or doesn't do. There's another team on the other side, too, and, and the Knights, that's their bread and butter, right? Like, they if they don't forecheck well, they're not going to win hockey games, and they they came back in a big way and they were just a little bit quicker on the puck and on the body than they were in game one. And and so that's going to be just how the Jets handle that. And like you touched on there, it doesn't have to be, you know, 90-foot stretch passes, but just connect on two or three short ones and, and there's going to be opportunities to to slice through the Golden Knights through the neutral zone. So I, I think it's there for them. It's it's not an insurmountable task, but that's where this team's gotten into trouble in the past is, is struggling to get out of their own zone. So if they can be sharper in that, then yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if if Brassois sees uh, plenty of red light Saturday afternoon. Hey, uh, before we go, and folks, make sure to check out the latest Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcast with uh, the Rewiki boys dropping it all on uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, outside of this Vegas Jets series, what's been uh, what's been your favorite series so far? What have, you, uh, what have you enjoyed the most of this first week of the Stanley Cup playoffs outside of uh, our team here in Winnipeg? I mean, Colorado-Seattle is... <laughs> they look like they're playing on fast forward. I, I, I mean, haven't I, basically seen any of that just because basically it's been on at the same time as the Jets. I caught the last 10 minutes or so of the game number one, saw not one second of yesterday's game. Um, but, I mean, Seattle, how about that? I mean, getting the win and then up to nothing. Colorado had to find themselves um, probably in a similar way that the Vegas Golden Knights yep. did last night, facing a 2 nothing uh, uh, deficit um, after two losses at home. Yeah, I, I think it's been the best series so far. and. I don't know if it's the Jets Knights looking slower than some of the other ones, but it's just there's no faster series out there right now than Colorado Seattle. It's just balls to the wall. I mean, the the action's been tremendous. Goaltending, uh, like it's just all there. I, I've I've had a ton of fun watching that. And Seattle's been way more game than I expected. Like they're gonna they're gonna push Colorado right to the brink here. It's gonna be a bit of a tough one for the Avs to get over there. But seeing them go full globetrotters when they get McCarr and McKinnon out there, like. I, I don't know if there's a team that can answer that. So that's always their big trump card there. So that one's been great. And then, I mean, let's face it, that Toronto-Tampa, with all the narratives that are around it, it's it's always going to be the most fascinating series to watch. Um, I was jumping. How about, how about the- yellow hoodie guy last night? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil, you mean Phil Esposito's number one fan, right? The fact that there's one psycho going at Janot in the box 
and he's the one guy in the entire rink not wearing a Leaf Gear jersey or anything, but a yellow hoodie. Yeah. I mean, that almost looked like it was planned, like for an SNL skit or something like he that. Was really, he was really first of all. <laughs> so maybe the people can, can take some of that and like metaphorically be yellow hoodie guy for the rest of the series there. But yeah, I mean, like, and, and what's fascinating to me about that matchup is like going on two playoffs now. Toronto can beat Vasilevsky consistently. Like, I don't I don't know if any team out there has been able to do what they do against the best goalie in the planet. But Toronto's snipers, they, they've done a pretty good job against it. It's just always been can they can they limit the damage to to three and under in their own half of the ice? And then you have the whole headman Chernak injury thing there. Like there's it's a pretty big opportunity here for the Leafs to to take advantage of this in and three and four against um against Tampa Bay. You but. know what's hilarious about Tampa? And because they've had these situations before where they're just getting lit up and blown out. Vasilevsky never leaves the net. Yeah. Like what is it? He just like, nope, this is my crease. I'm going in. I mean, he is uh well, he led in seven last night and was there through it all. We saw the same thing happen last year. And the funny thing is. He always seems to come back with an incredible performance yeah. after he gets lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, like it's it's that's funny to me. I mean, normally when your boss tells you to do something, you do it. <laughs> like that's always where I've come from. I don't know. Like when my old man was coaching me, if I was just like, "No, nah, I'm staying in," like I don't. That, that was never an option for Yo. me. So that's new to me that you can choose whether or not you come off the ice. But I I, I guess it speaks to the mentality, the mindset that they have. I guess I don't know. Personally, I would have been like, look, dude, we want you fresh for game three. Like, this isn't a referendum on who you are as a competitor. We're just trying to get you out of here before the game gets nutty. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm intrigued with that one. But I also, I mean, especially with no Bergeron for the next two here, the curse of the, not even the president's trophy, but the curse of the regular season legendary team is on pace to strike again here. Florida can take advantage of another bounce going their way here so I, I i mean i've liked all this series so far minus carolina new york it's just a shame they keep starting that one at, at 6 p.m on, on those like just put that one at 9 30 nobody cares nobody's gonna watch it we can bump up edmonton start out, LA. Out east. Yeah, yeah like no biggie no one's gonna miss it we bump up edmonton la maybe move minnesota dallas up a bit and then we're well, good that's, to go. that's the series that i have i've loved that i mean game number one was as dirty and violent a game as we've seen in, in, in a long time. And and I'm not talking about the Dumba hit. I thought that was borderline, maybe a hair late, um, but it wasn't a headshot and a really unfortunate result. Um, but holy smokes, I mean, we know what Minnesota's all about. I mean, they do take a lot of cheap shots. They wanna They want to drag teams into playing their style, which is basically a Royal Rumble at times. But the thing that I can't get over is Dean Evison galaxy braining himself and putting Gustafson on the bench for game two after the brilliant performance that he authored in game number one. I know he said that they were going to do that going in. We're going to play both goalies. But how in the world do you sit a guy down that hot that basically won you a game and then throw in Marc-Andre Fleury, and frankly, the Wild got what they deserved. You, oh, you knew what was happening once Fleury went in, right? Like, there was no, there was no other way it was going to end. I, I went, like, I am. Yeah, I, Galaxy, that, that's what happens with Galaxy Brain, though. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And especially, like, I mean, they didn't go up against Dallas last year, but, I mean, Ottinger did the same against Cal. Like, if you get a goalie that's lights out, you 
kicking and screaming, force him into the net until something, you know, whether it's five, six goals or something like that guy stays in the crease until, until results give you otherwise there. So I, I, I don't get the decision at all either. I and, would think flurry would get that too. I mean, yeah. the guy is so experienced. He's been on these great teams before. How do you, I, I mean, listen, it puts a lot on your shoulders when you go in and he didn't get the job done. And, I mean, and listen, I mean, you're probably not old enough to remember, but I mean, the 1990 playoffs with the Jets where Bob Murdoch insisted of going back and forth between Essence and Beauregard in the midst of blowing a 3-1 series lead is something that still sticks in my craw 30 years later. Um, it really felt like that. Like, oh, no, this is just the plan. This is the way we're going out and doing it. This is the way we've done it all regular season when realizing – Every goal, every game is so important right now. You can't just, yeah. you can't put, you not put your best foot forward, especially against a good team like Dallas. And credit to the Stars as well. I mean, Rupi hints that hat trick performance. And he was the guy that had to step up with Pavelski on the shelf for the time being right now. And they uh, they got it done. Who do you think takes that series? Now it's 1 1 heading back to Minnesota. Oh, man. It, it kind of, I mean, speaking of Royal Rumble, it feels like it's a double elimination. <laughs> like they're both going to get knocked out. Well, that's the like, funniest thing. Thing because the way they're beating the hell out yeah. of each other, the happiest people is going to be the winner of this Colorado exactly. Seattle series because I'm not sure what's going to be left of either of these teams yeah. if they actually make it through. Yeah, like all, all we need is a steel chair for game three, and then we're we've come full circle on this. Um, I mean, I I said this when I picked the series on the podcast, but because my, my brother was going on and on about whatever the hell he was talking about, and I'm like, Tyson, just sum it up like this: Minnesota sports team. They're going to lose in round one painfully. Like, that. that's it. So I, I'm going to take Dallas just because this is what Minnesota sports does. I bet on the Wild before. I bet on the Vikings before. They burned me. This is just what they do. So I think Dallas is going to find a way. But, yeah, um, I'm if, if, if I can find the odds out there, Colorado or Seattle to, to go to the conference final, I might hop all over that one right away because, yeah, I, I just I can't imagine how the bodies hold up for, for another series after that if this goes six or seven. Hey, get the whites out. Enjoy the weekend, my man. We'll uh, do this next week as the uh, series continues. I think what we saw last night is this one isn't going to be a short one, but a huge opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to take advantage of uh, an incredible crowd, an incredible atmosphere, and two games in front of the whiteout here in Winnipeg starting tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, Super Jack. Can't wait, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. Check out Skates and Plates, folks, wherever you get your uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk audio podcast. Uh, just for skates and plates, Brandon and his brother Tyson doing a great job with uh, their takes on all things Winnipeg Jets and more. Um, let's get to, uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Shifley and Adam Lowry. We promised you that we will do that in just a moment. Um, do want to thank our great friends at Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Man, Remo and I had a great time after work heading out over to uh, the uh, grand opening of the uh, Consolidated Supply Showroom over at 1395 Niagara Road East. Got a chance to see some incredible golf carts as well as basically like a golf cart scooter. 
one that looks like a mini truck for industrial usage. Uh, what they're doing with electric vehicles now, more than just Teslas, um, you really have to go and see it to, to believe it. Um, yeah, there's the fat tire golf one. <laughs> it was so cool. Wanted to rip around on one of those this summer. Um, but anyways, it's great to see Joe uh, Spicy and, of course, our pal Chris Buechler who's in town as well. It was, a, it was a great time. They are ready, though, for uh, the upcoming. And, of course, Joe handles most of the irrigation. That's what's going to get really busy in the next two or three weeks. So if you've got irrigation needs, planning as we head into spring, you're going to want to talk to Joe. Head on over to Consolidated Supply. They're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts, and have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, small engine parts and repair. 1395 Niagara Road East, open to the public, or find out more online at cte.ca. Whether you were going to the game tomorrow, whether you were going to the whiteout party tomorrow, or whether you are getting together with friends and family to watch the game, dress code is in effect, folks, and that is white jet gear for tomorrow. And Royal Sports has you covered. Uh, they are, of course, Manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring the Winnipeg Jets. They've got all three types of Jet jerseys right now in white. Uh, the original white roadies, the white heritage jerseys, and my personal favorite, the white retro reverse. Tons of white hats, white, 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 and more white in the Jets section right now at Royal. So get on down there tonight or tomorrow before the game and make sure you are covered. And, of course, they've got spring stock arriving daily as well with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, equipment, and a huge selection of bikes. Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. You can follow them on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina. And the home of the whiteout is Boston Pizza. If you're not at the game and you're thinking about throwing those whites on and getting together with friends, no better place to do that than BP. You'll get your chance to win tickets to one of the home playoff games while we have them. And, of course, you can try that new Powered by Fanalytics triple play platter with the Thai chicken bites, the BP cactus cuts, and the cheesy Bandera bread. Uh, dill pickle spears now as well, fried. whole bunch of new things on the menu. All ready, waiting for you and your fellow Jet fans at your local Boston pizza. Huge screens, big sound. Home of the whiteout is BP if you're not able to be downtown at the game. All right, let's get Remus back in here. And Reem, you know, I, just before we get to a little bit more from uh, Adam Lowry and Mark Shifley, wanted to get your take on um, everything outside of Winnipeg and Las Vegas. Obviously, we were going to spend the first hour, hour and a half breaking down the Jet game and looking ahead to tomorrow. But uh, what a bounce back, speaking of bounce backs, for the Leafs last night. That was night and day from the embarrassment they had on home ice in game number one. Yeah, it was kind of like Vegas where they really just didn't show up uh, for the first game and their best players became their best players. I think it helped that Cernak and Hedman were injured for, for Tampa. We'll have to see how that goes, but you've been wanting to see them. You know, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews have these good playoff games. I know Mitch Marner's got a lot of criticism, and uh, there he was yesterday. It was all of their guys. John Tavares, who was criticized. I mean, they all came out to play, and... Uh, Leafs showed they can beat Vasilevsky. I mean, putting up seven, and it's kind of weird. Um, you know, usually we've seen this with Hellebuck, where they go with the mercy pull, and John Cooper saying after is like, no, no, no. Vasilevsky said he didn't want to come out, 
and left him in for all. <laughs> he like never all... he never wants to come out. Yeah, he just does. stays in. Yeah, okay, let's stay in for He's all like, seven. I'm the against. goalie. I don't care about my numbers. I'll be back next game. And uh, this has happened a number of times. And let's face it, this team has won the East three years in a row. So um, I'm not sure whether we should really be nitpicking over that. I kind of I kind of like it uh, that Cooper leaves it up to his guy, much like Connor Hellebuck is the backbone of the Winnipeg Jets. That's Vasilevsky with Tampa. And uh, let the goalie figure it out on his own. You know he'll be back and be better next game. Yeah, I'm curious how it's going to go for Tampa. We'll have to wait and see about Hedman. Um, has you know Toronto gained some confidence? It's amazing how you know have one game. Tampa looks like they can beat any team and flip flop uh, May plays. I think it was kind of similar last year, right? Where you know there wasn't like there was it was seven game series, but it wasn't a lot of close games. They take turns dominating each other. So that that's one we're expecting. What seven? It's going to go for a while. Um, it's amazing to see how many series are all tied. There's only two with the 2-0 lead. You know, I had picked the Devils, but maybe they're not ready and don't have that playoff experience with the Rangers, who have this veteran team who have been there, uh, taking the 2-0 with convincing wins in the first two. Uh, Pat Kane was taking a lot of heat early on in his Rangers tenure, and even mm-hmm. in game number one that they won, he had a goal and two assists last night, and he just adds a new dynamic. I mean, he just seems to see the game on another level than most NHLers, and Man, you give him a little bit of extra time and space on the power play, and what a lethal weapon he is, along with the talent like Tammy Panarin and Fox, who's had a huge playoff so far. It's already there. Uh, You know what? I think New Jersey's been a real fun story this year. A lot of great young talent. Often good young teams make the playoffs their first time and learn some hard lessons. It kind of feels like that's exactly what a more experienced Ranger team is doing to uh, uh, Jersey. Yeah, you might you might be right. And just uh, looking over to tonight's games is Boston, Florida. I mean, Patrice Bergeron, uh, not in line. That's story for them. Carolina looking to go up three and zero. I think the late ones though are the ones we're enjoying here. Dallas and Minnesota. Who Ryan with Ryan Hartman day to day. Joel Erickson X still day to day. Sorry to bring Ryan Hartman us, but. Uh, you know, certainly a story there with Minnesota. I'll I'm be less pissed going... off about Ryan Hartman if Ehlers can play tomorrow. I will say that much. But, I mean, it's uh, it's such a joke. <laughs> such a joke. <laughs> and, well, that's it. I mean, those teams have been killing each other. And we all want to see um, what McDavid is going to do in Game 3 against L.A. So I think that those two late ones tonight I got my eye on more. Uh, although, Carolina, they, what, they had the Teravainen injury the other day. You know, trying to go up uh, 3-0 against the Islanders. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, well, listen, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. And we will open up marbles coming up in about five. But uh, let's quickly hear a little bit more from both Adam Lowry and Mark Shifley, who spoke after the game. Um, listen, th- this game really turned um, in the second period. Uh, there was an Eric uh, William Carlson goal. But um, Adam Lowry talked about the uh, the Vegas second period and uh, where things sort of got away from the Jets after an absolutely brilliant first 20. Obviously, we, we knew they were going to play better than they did the first four periods. I think we did a good job slowing them down in the neutral zone. And uh, they kind of just found their speed a little bit. Uh, you know, I think we were just a little bit off. It uh, allowed them to make some more plays. And, uh, you know, just puck management, there was a, you know, a few times where you know, we, we kind of fed their transition, fed their sustained ozone time, and you know, I think we did a better job game one. So, um, coming in here though, getting a split, uh, 
you know, we're pretty excited to go back to, to Winnipeg for the whiteout and you know, have fans again. Adam Lowry excited to go back to Winnipeg for the whiteout, and he was also asked after the game about uh, the momentum shift after William Carlson um, got Vegas on the board. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it got their fans back in it uh, and it gave them something to cheer about, right? So, but, you know, they, they scored to go up 2-1, you know, our fourth line gets a huge goal to, before the end of the period. And, you know, to, to go into the intermission 2-2, I, I think, you know, as a road team, you know, we're in a good spot, especially, you know, they did have the momentum. They, you know, they were starting to sustain some pressure. So, um, you know, I, I think we control the first, they control the second, and, you know, a couple of bounces here or there. Um, it was a tight game, so you, know, you give them credit. They, they played better than they did game one, and we'll make some adjustments and be ready for game three. All right, there's a little bit more of Adam Lowry. Here's another interesting one, and I think this will be something that the Jets spend plenty of time doing video, working with the coaching staff to uh, avoid the issues they had with their breakout in the second half of last game. Here's Lowry on what Vegas did to disrupt the breakout. I think they were a little more aggressive, but, uh, you know, so give them some credit. I think, you know, our execution could be better. I don't think we played poorly by any means, but, uh, you know, it, it's two really good hockey teams. We, we knew this was going to be a tight series. Um, you know, we felt confident going in it. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone was expecting a sweep. So, uh, you know, just regroup for game three, watch some video, uh, just tighten some things up, and you know, I think we'll be in a good spot. All right, there's Adam Lowry. Now, uh, Lowry's been, you know, the scoring star so far. Three goals so far, and I believe it was Kevin Bieksa that said uh, early leader for the Con Smythe after the first period last night. Kevin Stenland got in on as well, and Adam Lowry spoke about um, the secondary scoring, if you will, outside of the top six, although he was the ice time leader of Jet Forwards in the first game. Um, but not only his line, but also Kevin Stenland uh, chipping in last night. Yeah, you know, I, I think my goal is a little more timely this one than you know the the last few minutes of uh, last game. But you know, anytime you can get some contributions, you know, up and down your lineup, it, it bodes well. Um, so yeah, you know, our fourth line—that's a huge goal to get us back in the game, get us some momentum. Especially, you know, like you guys said earlier, they they were starting to come. They they were starting to get uh, you know the momentum, the energy in the building, and you know to get us into the intermission tied. Uh, you know, you can't ask for more from them. All right, there's Adam Lowry. Here's one more from Lowe's. Um, just on overall, getting the split and coming back home for game three. Yeah, we're happy with, you know, splitting. And obviously, after how we played in game one, we wanted to take game two. And so, you know, we were disappointed we, we didn't get the result. But, you know, there's a lot of belief in our group. Uh, you know, we'll make some minor tweaks. You know, I think, you know, get back to speed, you know, get back on the four check and, and things like that. And like I said, we'll be in a good spot. Uh, we know Canada Life Center is going to be rocking. You know, it's a, it's a tough building to play in. And, um, you know, we haven't had fans there for, for a few years. So yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, it is on tomorrow. And uh, if you're coming to the game, get there early, get in your seat for warm up and uh, bring the noise and the atmosphere that this city and this fan base is famous for. Um, Let's hear from Mark Shifley. He spoke after the game and, uh, of course, was a central figure on uh, the winning goal and Chandler Stevenson get away and obviously had that long shift as well for the Carlson goal along with Pierre-Luc Dubois and uh, the uh, defenders that were on the ice. Uh, 
Shifley, you know, lamented letting that one slip away after a great first period. You know, we let that one slip away a little bit. Um, you know, we had a great start like we wanted to, and, uh, you know, we're one on one in the series. You know, it's a best of seven for a reason, so, you know, we're excited to, to get back home to our fans and um, excited to get going again, uh, you know, put this one in behind us and get ready for game three. Yeah, it is important to put it behind them, but uh, also, um, you know, acknowledge some of the things that, you know, need to be cleaned up a little bit. Um, Shaif talked about kind of when Vegas got back in that game after the first. Uh, we, you know, they, they started to take it to us a little bit in the second, and, and we, let them, we let them start to dictate the game. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, they're a good team. So um, you got to give them credit. They, they were on us. They, they made some good plays. And, um, you know, we got we to gotta try to, you know, limit the, the amount of time we let them be in our zone and, and you know, limit those chances and, and get back to our game as quick as we can. All right, uh, Mark Shifley. A um, couple more. Let's go to 16, Reem, because I think – you know, one of the things that are probably is probably very frustrating for Shafley and particularly Kyle Connor, um, not necessarily what happened in the second and third, but the fact that they didn't have a bigger leader uh, lead after the first with everything that created. Um, Shafley talked about all the chances that they had in the first twenty. Yeah, you know, we had a ton of chances. Uh... You know, uh, LB made some big saves for them and, and kept them in it. Easily could have been, you know, we could have had a few in that first period, but um, you know, that's the way hockey goes. That's that's what makes playoffs so fun. And, um, you know, we get another another go at it uh, come Saturday. All right, there's Mark Shifley, uh, you know, with uh, some of his thoughts on that last night's game. Everyone was talking about the save Connor Hellebuck made in the first period. I mean, Loren Brassois was brilliant and kept his team in the game. Connor Hellebuck wasn't as uh, busy as Brassois, but holy smokes, did he have a save for the ages uh, just before getting plugged right in the dome from a heater from Jack Eichel. But um, Shifley uh, was asked about the save from Connor Hellebuck in the first period. Yeah, it was it was amazing. You know, he's uh, you know he's one of the best goaltenders in the in the league for a reason. He he, he keeps keeps us in every single game, and um, you know he does that night in and night out. So um, you know it was, a, it was an amazing save, and um, you know we, we've uh, you know we're very very lucky to have him. All right, we got a couple more from Mark Shifley. Uh, we'll get to the shift at the end, but Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, they had real rough game number ones. They both came back with a vengeance yesterday, especially Mark Stone, who is the captain and the leader and the heart and soul of that team. Uh, here's what Shifley had to say about uh, the performance of the top dogs in gold last night. You, you know those those guys are, are dangerous when they're out there, and um, you know that's that's the that's the way the game goes. You know we just have to you know take it take it shift by shift and. And you know, try to mitigate. Uh, you know, those guys feeling good, and um, you know, they're trying to do the same thing to us. So, um, you know, we're just uh, we just got to put this one uh, behind us after tonight, and and uh, be ready for Saturday. All right. Uh, by the way, thanks for all the thumbs up. We got to 200. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up, and make sure you're subscribed, and get in. Marbles entries are open right now! Exclamation mark marbles in the chat if you want to. Uh, get in on the marble race. Um, we've got one more clip from Mark Shifley, and this was um, on the two-minute shift that preceded Carlson getting Vegas on the board first. Yeah, you know, it was kind of a, you know, weird bounce. You know, kind of lost lost sight of it for, for, for a lot of it. Um, you know, it's one of those ones you obviously can't change when, when they're turning back on you. So, um, 
you know, obviously you don't want to be out there that long and, and be on for a goal. Um, you know, that's hockey though. All right. So there's Shife. Um, you know, you definitely don't want to be caught out for two minutes as often that's when bad things happen. And unfortunately bad things did happen tonight. Uh, while everyone enters for marbles, there's one more clip we want to play. And this is from a little earlier, but as we get ready to pack that rink tomorrow in white, Nate Schmidt had some comments earlier on um, the excitement about playing at home in Winnipeg in the playoffs. Yeah. Sorry, and this was uh, him talking about playing uh, as the visitor as well. Okay. When he was with, because he was with Vegas. Uh, of course, five years ago. Yes. No, Vegas is a heck of an atmosphere, right? Um, stepping here the first time, you didn't really realize what you were getting yourself into. Um, hence the first period of the way it looked in the game one. Uh, I think that is such an important part of uh, what it means to play here, and when it comes to playoff hockey, why it's 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 revered on the league as somewhere that's it's nuts, and that's what we want. I, I want that. You want it to be crazy. I want it to I want it to be pandemonium outside. I want it to be, you know, where you look across the league and the flashes on the TV, and you guys look at it like, oh, look at that. It actually, looks like kind of fun. I'd like to be there. You know, like why not? So. Uh, I had to be outside in the mix, you know, rough and tumble, you know, mucking and grinding, you know, sweating, cheering, yelling. You know, that's that's the kind of thing we need. Oh, man, beauty quote from Nate Schmidt. And, uh, you know, as much as last night, the end of the game was disappointing. This team is still 1-1. All the fans are going to be fired up tomorrow. And uh, interesting to hear Schmidt's perspective, Reem, on uh, what it was like to be a visiting player coming here to Winnipeg. And uh, I would imagine that tomorrow afternoon, come warm up, come the start of the game, is going to be as electric as this building has been since, to be honest, that 2018 playoff run. I think so, Hus. People are fired up. We haven't had a home playoff full crowd since 2019. Uh, We all remember the last game, and it ended in disappointment. So hopefully Saturday's game gives people a reason to be happy all day long with the afternoon start, right? I think going to get up, start getting ready, and then, you know, have a nice dinner after the game. So uh, I'm excited for to see uh, what people can bring. You see people excited in the chat. As you said earlier, people are talking about coming with bandages like Morgan Barron and Connor, Connor Hellebuck style or drawing on black eyes uh, to be like Morgan Barron. I agree with uh, Brandon. The, Mor- the Morgan Barron is the number one Halloween costume. That's a, that's a good one. So... Great take from Rewiki on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah, tomorrow's going to be special. Hopefully the team can feed off the energy that I know everyone is going to be bringing tomorrow night. And as I mentioned, let's get going early on. Hey, shout out to Mo. Mo Jahangard. Best of luck to the Jets from Los Angeles. Let's go Jets. Mo, thanks very much for the super chat. Be feeling your energy tomorrow. And, uh, Mark, welcome to Mark Jones. Great to have you as a supporter. And thanks to everyone for the Super Chats this week and all the gifted subs. That's another great way to support the channel and get others involved in Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great stuff. But a uh, big thanks to Mo. Good vibes coming from L.A. Mo, who you got tonight in this Kings-Oiler uh, game? Very interested to see what happens in Game 3 after uh, what happened in Edmonton in, uh, in that series. All right. Speaking of tomorrow... Uh, as Remus just mentioned, it's going to be a pretty legendary and epic day. 3 p.m. puck drop at Canada Life Center for Jets in Vegas. 
7.30 puck drop at the Ice Cave for a critical Game 5 between the Ice and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Ice, of course, pulling one out in overtime to prevent going down 3-1. This is now a best of three. These teams were 3-3 three and three against each other throughout the regular season. I have a feeling this is going 7 uh, but a massive, massive game tomorrow night as well. So whether you're watching the games at home, whether you're going to one or the other, you might be heading out and having a couple cold ones in and around it on a super Saturday here in Winnipeg. May I suggest the new generic lager from Little Brown Jug to uh, quench the palate if you're having some suds tomorrow. It's your basic lager, just better. Impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect in a light beer. Pop on down to the tap room on William Avenue. You can pick up generic lager in eight packs or by the can. It'll also be available in liquor marts in eight packs right now as well. Um, not a big weekend on the PGA Tour. It's the Zurich Classic, the tag team event, if you will. I was just looking at it. I think we've got, uh, oh, is it Wyndham Clark and Bo Hossler, a 16 under right now. Second place, T2, including teams with Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley. Of course, we're talking golf because uh, we're getting ready for golf season over at Breezy Bend Country Club, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course side patio. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs. <clears throat> Breezy Bend's the perfect long-term golfing home for you and your family. Find out more at breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call at the clubhouse for more information about becoming a member. And uh, well, we're going to wait for summer, but when summer does get here, I cannot wait to get out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, an unbelievable getaway here in the Manitoba Wilderness where with world-class fishing and even more incredible world-class hospitality. A great corporate getaway if you're looking to do something special with some team leaders or maybe some clients. And one heck of a friends and family trip as well. Now, Bill, uh, the uh, it's filling up. They're over 85% booked for the entire summer right now. If you want to find out more about Aikens Lake and what's available, go to AikensLake.com. And uh, any university students that are still thinking about how you're going to pay the bills next year, consider a summer out at Aikens Lake. They're still looking for a few guides and servers for the Aikens team in 2023. Send a resume in to Pitt at Aikens Lake. Dot com for more on that. Um, all right, Reem, uh, you know what? Let's do a little last call for uh, for um, marbles, and then we'll add a few. And uh, oh, and Moses supporter as well. Mo, what's up? Let's shout out to Moja Hangard in LA. Big, big guy coming through for the boys at WST. Um, last call for marbles, and while we do that, I'm gonna fire up these uh, lines tonight in the National Hockey League over at Coolbet. By the way, lock shoppers just printing money this week. Disappointing that the Jets didn't win last night. However, with the over in that game, back-to-back -back nights of cashing our lock shop partner parlay exclusive. 4.30 on Wednesday, plus 4.60 last night. We got a plus 4.85 beauty tonight for you. But first off, Carolina and the Islanders. Islanders, a very slight home favorite at minus 113. Bruins minus 136 favorites in Florida against the Panthers. 
straight up pick them in Minnesota between the Stars and Wild, minus 109 on either side. And the Edmonton Oilers, the biggest favorite of the night, minus 150 in L.A. to take on the Kings. If you're wondering about tomorrow's Jets game, the Jets are the slightest of favorites. Minus 110 for the Jets, minus 107 for the Vegas Golden Knights in front of the whiteout. Leafs a minus 118 favorite tomorrow in Tampa, which is interesting. Lightning and even money. Uh, And Devils plus 121 now going on the road staring down 3-0 in the face if they can't get a win. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they find their way and get a win tomorrow night. If not, it's over. And the Avalanche are back in that series after uh, coming back last night against the Kraken. I imagine it is going to be Bedlam tomorrow in Seattle for their first ever home playoff game. Kraken a plus 129 underdog in the Avalanche minus 153. So here's our exclusive for tonight. We just keep on getting winners. Uh, our lock shop partner parlay. We're looking for some goals tonight in the Boston, Florida game over six and a half Minnesota, Dallas under six and a half and the Edmonton Oilers to win money line bet on the Oilers. So uh, over in Boston, Florida under, and it's an adjusted under that line is actually five and a half. We've taken it to six and a half and the Oilers to win fellas got that boosted up to four eighty five. So if you uh, want to ride with myself and Dusty, good things happen in threes. We're two in a row. I think we're going to do it tonight. I certainly hope so. Plus 485 in the Lock Shop Partner Parlay. And there is a uh, single game exclusive that Dusty put together for the Euler game. McDavid to score a goal. Evan Bouchard to get a point. And the Oilers to win in regulation. That is plus 460. Uh, it's all there for you. Major League Baseball, NBA playoffs. Go to coolbet.com, and if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST when you're uh, making your first deposit, and they'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. Uh, well, Remo, big weekend coming up, but uh, it's not officially the weekend until marbles are dropped on WST. Yeah, before we get into it, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Fred Schneider, also got the microphone beside his name, became a member of the on, channel, Fred. and... I don't know if Christine's watching the show, but has, uh, she just ordered a hoodie on our website, WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Click on the store. We got a couple items in there. So uh, shout out to Christine for that. And uh, yeah, I agree. And we do have, so we have us. Kristen Rivers was inspired last night by the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. And came up with a whiteout uh, song. Hustler. That we can play here. I love it. I love it. So we are going to, we're going to move out the marbles theme for one day, and Tristan Rivers, the man behind the music of the Winnipeg digital sports scene, has put together something for the whiteout. This is a debut. I have not seen it, but I can't think of a better way of getting into the marbles with the man that wrote the marbles song, but with his newest one for the whiteout. Let's hear it, Remus.
Love it. <laughs> Love it. I'm sure the full single will be coming up, but that's just a little taste from our pal Tristan Rivers Music. What a talented dude and what a great supporter of WST. Uh, oh, and Gregory is mentioning, yeah, we've got the uh, Valor FC home opener this week. Uh, they had that great start in league play with the 2 nothing win last weekend against York and then lost to a semi-pro side in the <laughs> Canadian Championship. Not a great one, but that won't fire up. And Gitch giving a shout-out to the Steinbach Pistons who are starting up the MJHL Finals this weekend. I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but what a... What a meeting of the WSD Mines last weekend where the chat came together in real life. Sean Lishka, the Gitch, along with Dallas Pauls and none other than Jeff Kabilis-Remo all hooking up together at the Pistons' big game. Love seeing these guys has, uh, you know, meet up in, in the chat and then meet up in real life, having the bond of being WST supporters. Uh, WST, Winnipeg Sports Talk, bringing people uh, together. Pretty Pretty incredible, Hustler, and sorry for that mute issue there. Daniel, uh, Daniel, right in chat. Why don't these guys talk about the Oilers more? Well, do you ever go into Dusty's show in Edmonton and say, why are you guys talking about the Oilers all the time? What about the Jets? Come on. Uh, I'm sure we'll watch the game, though, tonight. It should be a good one. That's been a great series so far. Hopefully, we'll have reason to talk a lot about the Oilers in a couple weeks, Daniel. But uh, lots of work to be done by both teams before we get that lock shop series. All right, before we do these marbles, um, I think we obviously have to put one in for Morgan Barron. Heck, we may have to put one in for the Vegas plastic surgeon ream. Yeah, let me just make confirm the number of entries. So it says two. No, they changed the marble thing. It says we've got 219 entries, but I can't seem to um, select all of them. I don't know why, but let me try this. But yes, uh, Morgan and, Barron's plastic surgeon. Yes, he's definitely getting in. And people saying Morgan Barron as well. Yeah, full cage bear. Put that in. Full cage bear. And uh, and Hellebuck. Hellebuck is absolutely getting one. He has been the uh, he's been the backbone of this club. He was also bloodied yesterday and stayed in the game. And you know Hellebuck, who by the way is Mister Matinee. Uh, it was one reason why I didn't mind the 3 p.m. start because Hellebuck always seems to be awesome when the team plays in the afternoon, and you're going to need it because, uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be bringing it tomorrow. Um, I guess we can, we can probably squeeze one more, uh, one more uh, track out of the winter wonderland considering the weather that we've had this year, this week. I got my winter tires off last <laughs> week. I figured I was safe. Apparently not. Waiters, waiters wants the yellow hoodie guy, Marvel. <laughs> that was uh, that was ridiculous. That scene in Toronto last night. That guy was uh, big, big, tough guy. Not a great scene in uh, in To. You still there, Reem? I'm here. I'm here. Uh, trying to paste all these being. Yeah. Give me some trouble here. Well, you, you need to close some tabs, probably, as Bobby B very appropriately said. How's what's what's I've the tab situation? The <laughs> <laughs> um, Keith Bartell, Ealer's back. We're not going to know till tomorrow. Rick Bonus said that he was hopeful this morning. I imagine they were hopeful the last two games, so I'm not sure whether that really tells us much. 
But man, it would be nice. And I think it would be a huge shot of energy for the team and certainly the crowd to see 27 out there tomorrow. Um, back on that line with Nemetsnikov and and um, and Wheeler, which to me is huge. I mean, Barron being added to the fourth line with the way Steny and Menelainen have been playing would be a plus. And I, I'm not sure the Adam Lowry line has ever looked better than with Nino Niederreiter on the wing. Um, you know, Niederreiter does all of the things that you want from a guy playing that role on the third line with Adam Lowry, but he's also got a knack for scoring goals and scoring big goals. I mean, he's had huge goals in the playoffs in the past. He's a regular 20, 25 goal scorer. So, I mean, it's a bit of a luxury to have a player like that on a third line, but if Ehlers is healthy, the Winnipeg Jets can do that. And um, that would be a big, big boost for the club that, you know, saw some of the offense sort of dry up in the second and third periods. And I think whenever Ehlers gets out there, he is going to be, he's going to look like he's strapped to a rocket because uh, he'll be ready to go. And I'm sure it absolutely killed him to not be cleared to play games one or game two. Yeah. So I'm just trying to copy all the names and I, they, so they updated the thing here. Um, the app that I use, and it's you know it says we've got 219 users, but this is the second week in a row where I'm not able to copy all the names. I don't know why it's not showing them all, so uh, I'm going to get that fixed for next week. So uh, I'm sorry. I don't know. There's not much more I could do. That's not more you can do. We've got some issues with the marbles, but we'll get as many in as we can, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll fire it up in a minute. Yeah. Black Lab Society. I foresee a stone cold Steve Austin glass shatter entrance and Big Buff emerges from the Zamboni entrance during the warm ups. Can you imagine if Buff came out to hype the crowd? That that would be an all time moment. I the the roof might close off if all of a sudden Buff just rolled out. Oh my god, that would be so uh, that would be so neat. I do think our pal Jesse Pollock's gonna be coming in for the game though, and uh He'll be front and center doing a bunch of stuff at the games on Saturday and Monday. He, of course, showed up at Maple Leaf Square last night wearing a Jets jersey and a Jets hat and getting into it with Leaf fans, as only Jesse can do. So shout out to him for that. And we'll look forward to seeing JP back here in Winnipeg supporting his hometown team tomorrow afternoon at Canada Life Center. Oh, my God. Don Donnie Boy says Remo likes some Jets not performing at high end. Come on, Donnie. Hey, he had, had a great first period. Donnie, first I thought period, we were friends. Second. What is that? <laughs> Come on, Donnie. That hurts. Coming a little from... a little a little shot from the villages down in Ouch. Florida for I Donnie. Had, I had one mute. I was up late. Uh, so I, if anyone wants more content, I was recording that video with Skylar uh, as a post game. What you know, time did you guys do that at? Like 1.30 in the morning? Uh I think we started like twelve forty and then I finally finished editing it at two thirty and posted it then so i'll say this the views on a post game show after uh, a loss not as good as after a win <laughs> and so, listen we've known that we've known that big wins yeah. big crowds bad losses there's a lot of people and i get it like uh do i really want to hear the guys talk about what went wrong hey it's all systems going tomorrow and win or lose tomorrow but i certainly hope they win i the monday show should be huge going into game four with that late start, 8.30 in game four uh, at Canada Life Center. The other thing, too, is so I post, I usually post, like, a, after the Jets win, I'll post, like, an Instagram picture with the score. And then I, you know, because it's playoffs, I did it for every game, so I did it after a loss. Like, after a win, 
you know, like 300 plus likes. Everyone's in like after loss, you post the score and like, you know, people 20. take the like button to, to literally. So it was like 10, yeah. 10 likes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why am I even? I'm like do- that too. I don't like, I don't like those th- things. Oh, Jets get smoked. No, nah, no, no like on that one. No Jets like. win. Super like. Promote. Yeah, super. Yeah. You know, post on my own feed. Uh, you know, all of those things to get, uh, to get it out. Oh, so, oh well. Oh well. Um, what else was it? I was going to add too. I did post a picture of a Hellbuck's face and Morgan Barron's face. Side by side, Blood Brothers was my was my headline. Yes, love it. People yeah, got shared out, that one. Yeah, if you haven't already, folks, uh, make sure to subscribe to our uh, Twitter at Sports Talk WPG, uh, our Instagram at Sports Talk WPG, Facebook at Sports Talk WPG, and I know there's not many people, but for anyone giving us flack about the blue check mark for WST. A, it helps us with the algorithm, which is important. But if you want to be able to post long videos, which we often do, you need to have that. So um, anyways, play your own ball if you have an issue on that. Uh, that, that that's my take on that. It was hilarious seeing all the blue check marks get uh, <laughs> disappear yesterday and the reaction from uh, from all the, uh, the former blue check marks that uh, no longer, they're just like the rest of us now, Reem. Twitter, please. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, someone tripped us uh, for paying for it, and I was like, "Look, man, like we're running a business here. If it's gonna <laughs> show us uh, high, higher in the algorithm, like, what's the difference between that and like paying for a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad?" So, some whatever. people don't get that. Some people don't get that. And as I say, the extended videos is something that's very important too. It can uh, do all that. Although we like you tuning into the YouTube channel for most of that as well. All right, let's do these marbles and uh, get this podcast up. Yeah, people are wondering if we're still doing um, the <laughs> marble race. Secretly loves Elon. <laughs> I, to be fair, I don't know if I should say this out loud because, like, maybe we'll get deactivated. But I muted Elon Musk on Twitter. I'm sick of seeing his garbage <laughs> that he's tweeting. Like every time he tweets, everyone's like, "Oh, the sky is falling." Like, I'm done. I don't need to follow him. There's nothing. I try to, I listen, I like the sports takes. I like connecting with our viewers and listeners, uh, but I try not to get in the mud uh, too much in social media. That was a long time ago. Uh, not a lot of positives from uh, mixing it up in the mean streets of Twitter, although it's a great place for, uh, for sports takes. Um, all right. Uh, why don't we do the, um, what's that one with the skis? Like this is sort of this is you probably the last ski? chance to well, do. Which one was that one? Um, was it frozen? The one with the skis. It was it frozen. That's a pretty long one. Or thin or ice. Slippery slopes. Oh yeah, slippery slopes. That was the one. This everyone likes this one. Yeah, this is a good one. Shout out to Mother Nature. Slippery slopes, snow, the whiteout. I think that's the only way to do it. And by the way, if you're waiting for a hoodie. Uh, I'm going to have them, I believe, early next week. So I'll announce it on the show, and then we'll get going. But a uh, big thanks to our friends at Shipman Associates for getting those ones for the marble race. And as they say, coming up on Monday or so, uh, hopefully Monday, we'll have them for you. And It's a busy week next week, but maybe pop by a Boston pizza or something like that on one afternoon after the show, and a bunch of people can come pick them up, or we'll have a pickup spot for them. All right, without further ado, marble race Good vibes going into game three tomorrow for the whiteout. Slippery Slopes, one of your favorite tracks. Let's go. Always got to like this one. 
Big start for 22 Canuck, although it got slowed up a little bit. But nope, 22 Canuck and Ernie, Walder, and Schickster right out of the gate. Brass Bonanza as well. This has always been, uh, I, I think as we've gone through this, this might be the best one yet. I think we did this one for the finals of the uh, of the Tournament of Champions. The one by Winnipeg Walter, did we not? Yes, I think this was the final one. Here we go. Schickster, Brass Bonanza. Jeez, there's some there's some marbles making real big. Uh... Oh, this is a funnel, though. Who's going to make it down first? Missing Monk right in the mix right now. No one seemingly making it through. Everyone waiting. You know, someone just get thrown over the top rope? I don't think so. No, those that's like a piece of coal or something like that. <laughs> Trevor Red Ranger has made it out first. David Asplin. John D. K9. Daniel Wright. Big, big crew. Jeff Wozni, one of our... Uh, BP gift certificate winners earlier this week. No one making serious hay right now. Waiting to see who's going to get down first. It, is, it looks like it is Trevor Red Ranger and David Asplin. Now, oh, Trevor stopped. He's been he's been held up. Oh, but David moved him forward. This is quite the race right now. It kind of really does seem like it's anyone's race. No one is running away with it, and it probably is going to come right down to the end. Who's coming out first? David Asplund's now in first. We got Trevor Red Ranger still in the mix. Daniel Wright still in the mix. Oh, and here are the skis. Who can take care of the skis in the best fashion? Daniel Wright. There's Morgan Barron. Barron actually... I think Morgan Barron just knocked into Trevor Red Ranger and basically got a bit. Oh, we're starting to get some. Oh, here they comes. <laughs> here come the eliminations. Mike Wynn over the top rope. But Trevor Red Ranger and I think Morgan Barron are right there. Oh, David Asplund's had a nice, uh, nice start. He is right in the mix. But here comes... Trevor Red Ranger and Morgan Barron right behind David Asplin in the mix. Who will get down first? Da David looks like he is in first place. He's got a bit of a lead right now as Trevor and Morgan Barron try and make it up. Dave is now up into the top. There's two more big skis to make it into and through. Oh, man. Rick, it's Greg M., here comes Dave Asplin. Will he make it in and be the winner today? Let's see. Dave Asplin, your winner on a Friday afternoon episode on the slippery slopes of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Bruce H., second. Laurent Gratton, third. Timmy Tushu, fourth. Andrew Bradshaw, five. Dan Jetsfan, sixth. John C., seventh. Our pal Cowboy. In at ninth. What up, Cowboy? Trevor Red Ranger, 15 is ninth. And Sean Clark coming in at number 10. There's Hellebuck popping into it. Ernie Waldner, Mitch, Brennan. We'll get the rest of the crew in here. And then, of course, we'll roll through it. So you can, uh, if you're watching on YouTube later on, you can see where uh, where you're at. 
And again, folks, do not forget, if you're going to the game tomorrow, we need to see you there early. Get there for warm-up, get the whites on, and get ready to be loud all afternoon to create the uh, most intimidating environment in the National Hockey League in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Dave Asplin, there you go. Your winner today. Remo, you can just take a run down to the bottom just in case people have any side bets against friends or anywhere else. And there's Dave Asplin in the chat with the gold medal. Nicely done. Cowboy with the hustler wave emoji as a member right now. Stonewall Dave, not pleased with his performance today. Mary Jane, that's good. Dave Asplund, hell yes, guys, I'm pumped. Yeah, Dave, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let me know what size you are for the hoodie. And then next week when uh, we get them in, I'll set up uh, a time for uh, some of y'all to come by and uh, do a group pickup because we've got probably six or seven. I think that we owe some people, and uh, we're getting the big shipment from our pals over at Shipman Associates on Monday. So uh, other than that, lots of DNPs today. But that's such a great track, Remo. That really is one of the best we've done. I love, you know, once you get through the skis, you then have to deal with, oh, you're at the top of the hill now, and you got to go for the big ski jump, and you might not even make it. So uh, I do like that one. Uh, that And a lot of eliminations people liked, so uh, very fun. I, I do want to add, has a lot of people say, asking if we're going to be on tomorrow with uh you know saturday playoff game we have done but it's an afternoon game they're not gonna have there's nothing really more we can yeah, add there's no audio beforehand or anything yeah. like that so uh listen to this and make sure to check out the illegal curve guys i mean that's the other thing if, if they drew and ezzy and dave always on death taxes and saturday mornings with illegal curve and with the early game um i think it makes sense just to do that but if <clears throat> if it's a late game next saturday Maybe we'll do something after a legal curve. But, um, you know, Saturday mornings about the IC, guys, that's their spot. So it'll be a great way to get ready for it. And if you popped in late or something, you got two hours of WST today, all about last night's game, heading into tomorrow, ready for you as well. And, of course, the CGOB postgame will get going a couple hours early as well. So you should have a lot of content. But check out the channel, um, you know, Sunday morning or later on on Saturday. I think Remo's going to be cranking out another one of the recaps. I can tell you one way or the other. We'll have a massive show on Monday. Getting ready for Game 4. We'll break down Game 3. Everything else happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The ice on the weekend with that big win, or that big game tomorrow night in Game 5 against Moose Jaw. Um, and, of course, Moose playoffs starting next week as well on the 28th and the 30th. Um, they in Milwaukee. I guess technically the second round, although they've known that they were playing for uh, the last week. But good time for Declan Chisholm to maybe get a little bit more healthy. Um, Great show today. Thanks to everyone that joined us. And thanks to all the new subscribers that we've had over the course of this last couple weeks with the excitement around the Jets and the playoffs. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. And uh, Jet fans, do us a favor. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk that might not know where they can find us. Search Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk in your favorite podcast feed and show them where to get to the YouTube channel and hit that red subscribe button. 
Shout out to Billick and Rewiki for jumping on with us today. And Remus always doing a great job. Don't forget, there will be a recap on the station, uh, on the channel. Yeah, um, channel. You, uh, later on, the station. This isn't, I know. A, this isn't a station. <laughs> we're, we're digital now. We're streaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, this has been great. Shout out to Skylar Peters, who's done the last couple yeah. with Michael. And uh, if you are upstairs in the building tomorrow, I'm in 316. Pop by and say hi. I'm sure the intermissions will be in that sort of corner bar area. And bring your best white for the game tomorrow. I'll be the guy in a retro reverse 37 Hellebuck. And you know our guy Hellebuck's going to have a big one tomorrow. Um, that's going to do it for us. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And we'll talk to you on Monday at 1 p.m. Getting ready for game four between the Jets and the Golden Knights. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.